You can now hear Movie Heaven Movie Hell on Stitcher. Stitcher is radio on demand. Listen anytime, anywhere. Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all your favourite shows, plus discover from 20,000 news, entertainment and sports shows. You can also create your own custom playlists. Stitcher is available on iOS, Android, Nook, iPad and in over 4 million car dashboards. It's on demand and it's on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory. You can stream your favourite podcasts from Stitcher. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at stitcher.com or in the App Store. And please, leave us a review and rating on Stitcher. Thank you. Welcome to Movie Heaven, Movie Hell with me, Simon Aiken, and... And I'm Keith Isles, and we are both independent filmmakers that enjoy talking about uh, films and related topics. And today we have one of our podcast specials, and I always love it when we can have a special guest on board. Uh, as you've probably heard through many podcasts, I talk very fondly about my time at uh, film school, and I have one of my really good buddies, uh, all the way from Orlando, Florida, joining us today, Mr. James Cheshire. So welcome, James. Thanks, Keith. And you know, I guess living here in Orlando, Florida, when you say all the way from Orlando, Florida, it does not sound impressive at all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it is, let's be honest, it is a hot swamp, really, isn't it? With Disney in the middle. Basically, yeah. Giant mouse in the middle, uh, surrounded by swampland. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. But James, as, as a mean of kicking off here before we get on to our topic, um, can you uh, just so the listeners know, tell us a little <coughs> bit about yourself and what you do? Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, I, too, am an indie filmmaker, whatever that means these days. Uh, it's been a couple of years since I've uh, finished a project, but I have uh, I have two things uh, going on, uh, one in semi pre-production and the other one just trying to get the funds to uh, uh to do so um i do have things in the works but uh you know i also work as a uh, freelance photographer videographer and to a lesser degree uh, cinematographer and writer brilliant so there was life after film school james <laughs> yeah there there is a big stretch of desert there but there was life way 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 off in the distance Oh, right. I like your little setup there. You mentioned a big stretch of desert, which kind of, uh, <laughs> in some ways, leads us into what our uh, not, topic not is today it's for this Tatooine. special. It's a totally different desert. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, we, we, missed, we missed May the 4th and we missed the Blu-ray release. But for <clears> some <throat> time, Simon and I have been threatening to do a podcast about star wars and specifically star wars the force awakens um so summer edition that is going to be our t- yeah indeed that is going to be our topic for today um obviously from my point of view along with bond and, and avian and back to the future and various other things we've done specials on star wars as i know it is to you guys as well was very important to me growing up you know as a child and it's definitely one of those films that made me 
become interested in filmmaking and want to be a filmmaker. So it's it's very important. I'm quite nervous because this is quite a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we were in film school, that was one of the first things we bonded over was our love of Star Wars. Indeed, we did. Yes, we, we worked on various uh, theatre and, and film productions out there, didn't we, as crew? And uh, yeah, it was, it was, well, we used to joke that we were the um, Orlando Fab Four. And that was uh, you, me, and uh, our good friends, Rod Bermudis, who's been mentioned on this podcast before, and uh, Daniel Tomeo, who I believe you still work with from time to time. Is that right? Indeed. Indeed. So you get one Brit on there and you suddenly think that you can call yourself Fab Four. I don't know. <laughs> Terrible. I bet it was the haircuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, James's hair at the time. Very longer than yours, Simon. Oh, but wow. That's, that's, but that's a whole other story, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, I, I looked a bit like Captain Caveman. <laughs> Excellent. So at, at this moment, um, how many times has uh, have people watched uh, The Force Awakens? Because I've, I've, I've seen it five times now. I've now, seen it four times fully. Interesting. Yeah, no, I, I saw it. Well, I've actually seen it five times. I've seen it like in 2D three times. I've seen it in 3D and I've seen it in 3D IMAX to see the, the, the IMAX scene. So, um, mm -hmm. yes, yeah, so they've all been... They've all been on the big screen. I have, even though I've, this may say something, actually, even though I did eventually get round to buying the Blu-ray uh, edition, I haven't actually watched the film yet. I did watch the special features, but um, I haven't actually put the film back in to watch since it's come out on, uh, you know, home video or release. So that's Telling interesting. indeed. Mm. <laughs> I well, agree. I have to say, I, I was kind of disappointed with the uh, the extra features on the uh, on the Blu-ray. I thought they were very um, they were a bit piss poor, weren't they? It, it did yeah. feel like there's going to be an all singing, all dancing version coming out just before Christmas, Christmas. or, or yeah. when Episode Eight comes out. It's Disney, yeah. oh. so of course they're going to double dip big time, aren't they? And uh, no doubt, before our little Star Wars adventure that's coming out this Christmas, they'll re-release it and put extra stuff on and have an ad or a featurette about... Yeah, um, when, whenever the uh, next marketing uh, uh, opportunity is. Listen to how cynical we all are. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> yet, yet it rings the truth. Indeed. I just want to hear what people's thoughts are about the news this week about Rogue One's reshoots and... What, what do you think, Keith, about hearing that news? Well, I mean, I, as you know, until something comes out, I try and avoid a lot of it. But um, I haven't obviously been able to avoid that. And I do find it somewhat worrying because I, I have to be honest, the, 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 tr the original trailer, the, the teaser trailer for Rogue One, actually, in some respects, excited me more than anything. You know, excited me even more than the prospect of episode eight. And um, the reason being is I really like that sort of period in the in the Star Wars saga, you know, right around just before A New Hope. And I've always liked this idea of, you know, what happened about getting the Death Star plans. And, you, you know, we had a very episode four gave us a very sort of brief overview about that, but never sort of dug into specifics. So having seen the trailer and having seen the tone 
and the darkness of it and the seriousness of it. And obviously to see the original Stormtrooper outfits and ATAT walkers and things of that nature. I've actually been quite excited about it. But this news about reshoots to try and make it you know, <coughs> less dark um, does actually kind of uh, worry me somewhat. But I guess only time will tell. Yeah, I mean, I, I was looking forward to seeing like a, you know, a war film done in, in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking, well, it could be dark. I mean, we kind of know how it's going to end. It's not going to end very well. Exactly. Exactly. We know where it's going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it, it would be a gutsy move to to make it a bit darker. But then we're dealing with Disney and Disney is all about making their money back so they want it to be a 12 a pg-13 and so anything more than that they're they're not interested mm. in yeah what about you james any thoughts on that rogue one i'm, I'm a bit yeah I'm a, I'm a bit concerned about this uh reshoot as well and i'll use uh the last fantastic four debacle as an example um uh -huh. yeah you know th th those reshoots are horrible you know that wig that Sue Storm wore, you know, looked ridiculous. Um, and would we have had a better Fantastic Four movie if it just stuck, st uh, if it just stuck with one person's vision throughout the whole thing instead of this cut and paste of one person's vision versus this corporate idea reshoot? You know, we need to, you know, change this movie around. I'm worried that Rogue One is going to um, have the same effect. As uh, as Fantastic Four, it's going to be mismatched, and uh, and you're gonna, we're going to get just this, this odd movie instead. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I agree with that sort of parallel. I mean, um, you know, uh, Josh Trank, who who did the uh, the Fantastic Four, um, you, you know, obviously he had he had done Chronicle before that, which was which was quite an impressive little independent film. And, uh, you know, my understanding is from the stories of that is with the Fantastic Four, they kind of, you know, he lost control and they had to do reshoots and restructure the third act. And uh, I have to say, I was kind of with the film for the first two thirds. It was only when it did get to that last act, it became a bit of a mess, frankly, and was and was kind mm -hmm. of sad and has obviously been a flop and sort of panned ever since. And, you know, Gareth Edwards... Uh, I know he's done, you know, Godzilla, which is slightly bigger, but he obviously came from Monsters. And mm. um, again, he's one of those sort of independent directors that, you know, hasn't done a film of this scope yet. I mean, not mm -hmm. even, you know, I mean, Godzilla had some scope, I guess. But yeah, if, if he gets too much uh, interference uh, by the studio, then then maybe, you, you know, that the, the, the project will suffer from it and, and, and come across as disjointed. Perhaps. Yeah. Well, and there's probably a lot of pressure also because this is the first non-saga Star Wars film. So, you know, so nobody really has a clear idea how it's going to perform. So that's probably making a lot of people nervous on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm guessing as well, there's probably, um, they're probably worried about, yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's geeks and Star Wars fans like us, but there's also, you know, a general audience out there that might not necessarily understand where this fits into the whole timeline and, mm -hmm. and, and that. And I suppose it is an experiment, isn't it? Yes, yes, because the ex um, seeing some of the uh, comments about the trailer going, what, another Death Star? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many Death Stars can you have? <laughs> Indeed. Yes. Well, um, three. And I, I want to make a prediction on episode eight based on what we what we're seeing with Rogue One here, because I've heard uh, Lawrence uh, Kasdan say, "Well, episode eight, you know, I don't know what they, they got their own thing going on. They're, it's going to be weird." I don't know what weird means for Star Wars, but if they're worried about the tonality of Rogue One, could could Episode Eight um, be too weird of a tonality for them, where they're going to want to do reshoots for that one as well? Mm. Well, I mean, I just hope it's. I mean, I'd rather it be weird than be Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, yeah. As all I want is a good movie. If it's good, I'm fine. I don't care if it's weird, non-weird. You know, what, whatever. They can play the thing backwards as long as it works. But, yeah. um, but you know, if it's again, one person's vision that they got to come in and feel like they got to fix the tone up. And now they have these two different styles competing with each other. You know, is it, will that end up harming episode eight? You know, do we see something happening with rogue one that might also happen with episode eight? Mm. Yes. It is a big question mark and, and maybe, maybe, you know, discussion on episode seven here, um, might might answer some of this. I mean, I, I think a good sort of jumping off point with this for, for all of us <clears> is if we talk about, if we can wind our mind back, you know, six months to when we first saw it and when there was all the hype. And obviously we've had a little bit of time away from it now. You know, it, we missed May the 4th. Uh, you know, it is now released on Blu-ray, etc. And see on reflection, uh, what our thoughts are, and then we can sort of start drilling into into specific things from there. Yeah, I mean, I have to say also that I did kind of throw the net out a little bit to some of my or some of our um, real Star Wars filmmaker geek type friends, mm-hmm. uh, just to sort of say to them, look, we're going to be having this conversation. Is there anything good or bad? that you feel should be covered? Because let's be honest, this is a topic that's been very, very widely discussed um, in many forums. And, you know, it would be very easy for us to tread a lot of familiar ground here. But obviously there might be people who's got something burning inside that bothers them (laughs) or that they love about this that we could address. And I have had a few um, responses, not that many, but a few. So, Cool. Uh, you know, I'll get to them as we get to those points, I guess. Well, um, I'll, I'll start. Um, I remember um, I was, you know, quite apprehensive because um, I loved the trailers to this film. And I thought, you know, but I also loved the trailers to episode one. And I was thinking, you know, it could it be a case of it being another you know, episode one, Phantom Menace. So I was trying to keep my hopes not so high. And so when I went into the cinema, um, I have to say that first screening I went to, I went to opening night in a little cinema called the Peckhamplex. It was full and it was a really good experience. You you were there amongst fans. People cheered when they saw the... um, you know, Star Wars come up. It was a bit weird. There was not the 20th Century Fox logo at the beginning because that's always been part of Star Wars to me. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, it was just a great experience. And I, I just loved the way how how they didn't, in the story, didn't hide, uh, you know, certain facts. There wasn't, like, big reveals. They, you know, 
I mean, we're going to go into spoilers. So if you're not seeing oh, yes. it right now, yeah. tough luck. <laughs> yeah, no, no, <laughs> but, I, no, thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. But when Kylo Ren is, you know, is we, we're told by uh, Emperor Snook that um, he's, um, you know, hands, you know, Han Solo's son. You know, I remember one guy in the audience went, "I bloody well knew it." <laughs> <laughs> and you know, at the end, we all clapped and we, you know, had a really good time. Um, me and my girlfriend, we wanted to go and see it again, which uh-huh. we did that weekend, and and then we saw a third time um, just after Christmas when we got back from Leeds. And, you know, I enjoyed it each time. Um, though I have to say the audience reaction, I think, got less and less. The second screening we went to, uh, there was one guy who got really pissed off the fact that Kylo Ren took his mask off. <laughs> <laughs> he shouted at the screen, leave your fucking mask on. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, he'd seen it before. <laughs> yeah. It must have been his second go around. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's... But then... You know, seeing all the um, the feedback online and all the sort of videos made about it, I kind of, I can see their points. And um, it's certainly, there is a lot of fan service in this film. And mm-hmm. I think most of that comes from the character of Rey. Because um, she is set up as, you know, she's been abandoned on this desert planet. And, you know, she's left to fend for herself. Yet she knows... She's heard of Luke Skywalker. She's heard of Han Solo. She knows what the Millennium Falcon is. Even though it's been sitting there on this junk planet for for years. Mm-hmm. And, and then also the fact that she's very quick to learn the Force. I mean, it took Luke Skywalker three films to be that competent in the Force. Yeah. Now... I'm hoping that episode eight, we're going to shine some light on her, you know, background to the fact that she may have already been trained and couldn't remember or anything like this. But it seemed to come, if that's the case, if she had been, you know, a youngling, which I hate that fucking term. (laughs) Let's just say, yeah, you know, prequels are bad. Anything from that. <laughs> I like to think there's only four films in this in this um, series of films. <laughs> wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't get me started. No, no, prequels, prequels are bad. Prequels are an alternate universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and we all know that she's going to be related to somebody. She is not a new character. She is either. I mean, Ray. You know, Skywalker. I mean, I do love the, the whole idea of it possibly being she's like a granddaughter of obi-wan kenobi mm-hmm. yeah all, all of it's a little tenuous but yes, it is yeah um, yeah yeah but so 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 your so your first reaction then to this was was um one of one of you know joy and happiness yeah oh i was yeah i mean i was really happy i i, I it was it was when i was i remember sitting in the audience and i let let out this breath was like we're back Right. Yeah. It it felt like like the other like the original Star Wars films. Yeah. You know, it it really had that sort of it was it was a brilliant idea to go back to the um, lo-fi way of doing things that it was all practical. Yeah. I know it's not all practical, but, 
you know, there was actual creatures there and they filmed on location and there were sets and, you know, it, it, it was just, it was just great to see. I mean, I know we're going to get onto this, but I think though there's a, some, there's some, I have, I'm confused about how the, the sort of galaxy's set up now mm-hmm. yep. because, you know, we got a Republic, but mm-hmm. we've also got the resistance and we got the first order. Yes. And it doesn't, I, I can't understand what the kind of why we have these three camps when it should just only be two camps. Yeah. Like who's the resistance yeah. resisting exactly. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, like there's an example, like um, when the resistance went to the um, planet with uh, Maz's cantina, uh, why didn't the Republic send any ships? Why was it just the resistance? Cause the Republic was the ones who were in the actual danger. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, but it's well, the resistance fighting instead. I have no doubt that we'll uh, we'll get into plot and you know the co- <laughs> more questions than than more answers, etc. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk next about the initial experience, and the reason being is I feel James that when we get onto you, it might change the conversation into something else. So okay. uh, let me just say, yeah, I, as I already mentioned, I've seen it five times. Uh, I have to say I was very lucky because the first time I saw it was a uh, BAFTA screening on, on the morning that it was released. And um, there was a Q&A with J.J. Uh, Abrahams, uh, Kathleen Kennedy, uh, John Boyega, Daisy Ridley, Lawrence Kasdan and Harrison Ford. I mean, just to be in the same room as that man was, <laughs> was obviously a buzz. Um, I... I'm a massive, or I've, I've been a big J.J. Abrams fan anyway, uh, right back from Alias. I was a big fan of the the, the Alias TV show. Um, you know, I was a fan of most of Lost. Uh, that's a whole nother podcast. But, you know, um, <laughs> I, I certainly like the setup for Lost, which he was in, involved with uh, before sort of stepping away. And I like the work he'd done. I'm, I'm a fan of the Mission Impossible franchise, and I like what he did with the third film. And of course, another whole, whole nother podcast again. But, you know, the Star Trek reboots, I was very happy of what he did with the first film. And I have some issues with the second one. But hey, you know, we won't go there now. So, um, you, you know, I, I was very lucky that I saw it in a, uh, you, you know, it, it, quite a special event, if you like, in the fact that it was uh, not not only one of the first screenings, but it, it, I was lucky enough to uh you know, experience a Q and A with 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 such a great panel, which was which was fantastic. Um, the day afterwards, I actually went with my uh, good friend Ian um, to see it in IMAX uh, on the IMAX screen, and and there is actually a complete sequence that that is shot and 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 uh, projected in in full IMAX, which was quite impressive. Uh, but you had to watch it in three D to see it that way. What sequence was it? Essentially, it's, it, it starts when she says um, that the junk will do, or the garbage will do, or whatever you know. When and they run towards, and there's the reveal of the Falcon. It starts there, and it, it carries on until they leave orbit of of Jakku. And, um, you know, they're in they're, they're in space and back up, you know, cuts to the inside of the, the Falcon when Finn and, and Ray introduce themselves to one another properly. So it's it's that entire um, it's that entire sequence is, is in IMAX, uh, which was quite impressive. Uh, what I thought was interesting, though, was I was expecting the opening night, you know, 3D IMAX crowd 
to be quite raucous and, and, you know, really be into it and sort of, you know, cheer in the right places and, and all that. And it, it was weird. It was a very quiet audience. The, the BAFTA audience, which, you know, were industry people and I expected to be, you know, perhaps a little bit more um, reserved, were actually the ones that were, you know, cheering when the Star Wars, uh, you know, logo came up at the beginning and, you know, round of applause when Han Solo says Chewie were, were home and, you, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it was quite interesting that the, that the, the crowd that was kind of, uh, if you like, noisier and whoopier with the whole thing was, was the BAFTA one watching it in 2D. <laughs> that was the same with my audience. They, we all cheered when Han Solo turned up on screen. Yeah, well, you would, wouldn't you? I think so. Yeah. But there you go. Um, I was excited. Uh, I didn't feel let down. I felt that JJ had, had taken this responsibility and, um, you know, treated it with the respect that it deserved. Um, I enjoyed the new, you know, diverse cast of, of characters uh, that we had. And yeah, you know, in terms of first and, and second viewing, um, apart from feeling that some bits were very derivative and that JJ, to a certain extent, had played it safe with this, um, I didn't have any real issues. And it wasn't until I, I took some time away from it and uh, started to think about it and, and have conversations with other people that I started to, um, if you like, nitpick a little more, which is not like me at all, I know. And, uh, you know, I have had a lot of, I mean, never mind, you know, never mind famine in the world and whether the UK should leave the European Union or any of these important issues. I have had lots and lots of long conversations about Force Awakens. So that, that, that's, that's the first impression anyway. What about you, James? I was quite excited when I first saw uh, the first trailer of Han and Chewie. You know, I totally got the goosebumps. <clears throat> But I started getting a little more worried as, you know, more and more material came out. You know, I started feeling like, oh, is this a Death Star? You know, they're on another desert planet. And uh, and I just went back to uh, his second Star Trek, which felt like an inferior remake of Wrath of Khan. And I thought, is this going to be a remake of New Hope? So um, going in there, I mean, I definitely felt that was the case for, for a large part of the movie. But... Um, Overall, everybody was excited at first, including me. And I, I went to see it with our film school friend, Dan. Yay. And, uh, Captain Tomeo. Captain Tomeo. <laughs> and then, um, but once we were done, you know, like, as the movie went on, people were less and less excited. And um, really hardly anybody clapped at the end of it. Um, and Dan and I were just both kind of stunned. Like, man, like, we don't know what to think. You know, like... I'll admit, like, the first time I saw Phantom Menace, I was so ready for a Star Wars movie that I thought I enjoyed it, you know. After, now I think it's the worst out of all the Star Wars movies ever made. Because um, so it is. I didn't wanna, yeah. So <laughs> I, I didn't want to, like, you know, just jump the gun here. You know, I, I didn't know what to think. You know, so I'm like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a few days. You know, I'm going to come back, like, Monday or Tuesday, watch it again, which I did. And I liked it better the second time, but I found myself justifying a lot of the holes to like you know make it better like i like i was excusing the movie on a lot of different points and so i saw it a third time in 3d and that third time i was completely bored and that's when i first started analyzing force awakens mm. 
Interesting. I don't know whether you remember as well, James, I want to bring this up because it's something, it makes me laugh. It's something I remember from our, uh, our film school days. Obviously, you and I were in um, film school when the, God, we're just like old bastards now, but when the um, Star Wars original trilogy re-releases came the special around editions. in terms of the special, the so-called special editions. Yes. And uh-huh. um, uh, I, I remember that I think we both bought it. There was a magazine, an American film magazine, and I think it was called Dreamwatch, but I can't remember. But the, 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 the headline on the front of it was a hundred reasons why Jedi sucks, but 25 reasons why we love it anyway. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I remember we went, you know, the, uh, uh, you, me, Dan, and probably Rod, you know, the four of us, we, 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 we got this magazine. We went and sat in a Denny's or something and ordered some coffee and we went through it. And I remember we agreed with all the things that, that made it suck, particularly with the special edition version of Jedi. Uh-huh. Um, but then we also kind of agreed that the 25 good things were cool as well. And I just wondered, where now for you does Force Awakens sit within the original trilogy? Forget the prequels, because I know they, you know, I, I know yeah. what to think of those. But where, where, where does, because I know you have your issues with Jedi, as <coughs> I do. So I yeah. just wondered where, where it kind of sits for you. I would say probably a close fourth. Interesting. Okay, but I'd, yes. I'd have to go and rewatch Jedi to really, to really solidify my opinion. Yeah. Interesting. What about you, Simon? On that. Um. Well, I mean, I, it's it's fourth for me too, but that's because I hold Return of the Jedi in higher regard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we, do, we all do in the most part, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I've I I had the pleasure of going back and watching the specialized versions of those films, and oh my god, it was it was just great to actually be able to see the films the original way we saw them, you know. Ah, right. And yes. and you know, it was it was nice not to have a musical sequence. In the middle of uh, of Jabba's palace, and <laughs> yeah, <you> know, <laughs> which was fucking awful, is all I yes, can say absolutely. about that. Yes, I mean, yeah. bring back size noodles and the Max Rebo band anytime, right? <laughs> <laughs> Lactinic yeah. or whatever it was called, you know, <laughs> rather than that big creature, that Ewok eater or whatever uh-huh. it was supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was gonna say though, I mean, it, it's interesting how. With the original trilogy, how much, um, you know, even just sort of little characters that we see for a second, uh, people have gone and, you know, they've created whole works of fiction around them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I used to be a, a massive Star Wars collector around 97, and uh, I actually had the, the book uh, Inside Jabba's Palace, which was all these different stories about characters that were on the peripheral of what was happening in the film. And I, I just, I, I liked the expanded universe. I liked what they did with it. So I think that's one of my bugbears with, with Force Awakens is that they, in some senses, they have used the expanded universes. I can see touches of it in, in the film. But they've also kind of, uh, you know, disregarded it as well, even mm-hmm. though they had a better premise than this film does. Because 
in the expanded universe, the Rebellion still had to fight their way all the way to Coruscant to build the New Republic. And apart from seeing the Star Destroyer and the X-Wing, you know, in on Jakku, you, you don't get a sense of there was that sh struggle after Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can kind of... Because obviously we're talking about a, a, a 30 sort of plus year gap, aren't we, in terms of the, 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 the story timeline. And this whole sort of expanded universe thing, which Disney have respun as Star Wars Legends now. Um, yeah. I, can I can understand, if you like, from, a, from the movie making point of view, why they decided to discard all of that. Just because obviously... I think there's something like 65 or 70 years worth of, of history in that expanded universe that sort of fits around the, 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 the six Star Wars movies. Um, yeah, now it's at all the time. territory. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I guess to, to sort of free themselves up creatively and, and you know, um, they, they, they kind of had to do that to a certain extent. But you're absolutely right. They, they seem to have picked and choose, chosen bits from it. And, and put it into this is that right yeah exactly i mean just i'll i'll give you a, a damn good example it's not in episode seven but it's in the trailer to rogue one and the um the the empire general in it has the same exact white uniform that Ad admiral fawn has oh yeah he was in the mm -hmm. timothy zahn trilogy yes wasn't he? The, um... heir to the empire yes yes and it's like well you know None of that exists, but we are going to cherry pick that thing to death. I mean, I'm sure somebody's going to have twins and... Oh, actually, that, that's a thought. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if Ray is, a, is <laughs> maybe somebody's sister. <laughs> well, I mean, actually, that's, that's probably not a bad jumping off point for, mm. for us to sort of... I know one of the things we want to talk about amongst, well, many things. Um, yeah. But is, is the actual plot and the story and the development of that and obviously um i i know kathy kennedy's been very very diplomatic when interviewed about this but uh obviously um uh what's his name aunt was was involved originally wasn't he um mm -hmm. oh god name? michael uh is it is it michael michael aunt uh yeah M michael Aunt. yeah who did um you know, Little Miss Sunshine and Toy Story 3 and, oh, and that right, sort yeah. of thing. And he was involved, but my understanding is he kind of, obviously by this point, Lucas Lucas was not involved at all and it wasn't, you know, his stories or his outline. And yeah. uh, this guy got involved, but apparently sort of took a bit too long in developing it. So that's when they sort of called in Lawrence Kasdan, who obviously, you know, you know, needs no introduction in the fact that you know he worked on on uh jedi and uh, empire and jedi as as well as raiders and all this sort of thing and um uh you, you know he and he and jj kind of developed and 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 wrote the the script between them from there but do you feel that i mean i know some of the some of the comments i've had by by people i've spoken to about this is they, they sort of feel that there's some messy development with the with the plot and the script and if you like some of the whole 
levels that are in it. Um, do, do you guys feel that? Absolutely. For me, the, the thing about Star Wars, the original Star Wars, is you had this you had this wonderful mechanic of the two droids. It's because we followed the two droids along. That's why when we meet Luke Skywalker, it's not, you know, it feels more organic than it just happens Luke Skywalker turns up. Mm-hmm. You know, it just happened to be in the neighborhood. You know, it, it, was, it, was, it, was a, it was a great idea of Lucas to follow the two droids throughout the whole story. So that way, you know, we get to meet Luke and then we get to meet Obi-Wan Kenobi, meet Han Solo, and then we reach Princess Leia. And, you know, it, it felt a lot more organic. In this, um, it, it didn't quite know who to follow because you had Finn and you had Ray, but you'd cut between the two. And it's like, okay, well, these two are, are going to meet up. But, it, you know, it would have been... I don't know. It might have been better if it had just been, you know, Finn's story and we were following Finn. And so everything we saw was kind of from Finn's point of view. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, to, 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 to even throw something else <coughs> into the mix there, we obviously, you know, in the crawl and, and, and even intro- introduced in the opening crawl, we obviously cut to um, Poe Dameron uh, originally, you know, mm. which is, um, Oscar Isaac's uh, character, and this this is another one of those things that in the story development um, seems to have been something that that reading between the lines potentially changed. Because uh, I have to say, um, you know, Oscar Isaac's I like the guy. I like you know the stuff he's been in so far. But I've seen him interviewed twice, and in both cases. It's kind of wound me up slightly and irritated me slightly. <laughs> uh, and maybe it's just a green-eyed monster from my part that, you, you know, that, that, that I'm not involved in all of this. But um, uh, w- one of the things was there was one interview where he sort of said, oh, I told my agent if I didn't get an audition for Star Wars, they were fired. And I kind of thought to myself, well, duh, yeah, we can all say that. You know, you're lucky you've got an agent that can get you uh, an audition for Star Wars, yeah. But the other thing I heard in a different interview was that apparently in the original version of the script, Poe Dameron does actually die in the um, TIE fighter crash with, with Finn, yeah. And, and apparently Oscar Isaacs went to JJ and said, look, you know... Uh, does he have to die? Can we not bring him back? And, you, you know, hence that him coming back in the in the final act um, was was apparently a change that they've made. And I don't know how true that is, but um, I, I've certainly heard, as I said, Oscar Isaac say that uh, he died originally um, in it and asked if that could be changed. And I just sort of thought bloody cheeky git but you know um, but uh, have you heard that i mean do, do, do you think that makes sense as to why poe dameron was absent for quite a bit of the story following the uh, the escape from the uh, star destroyer well watching the movie script wise it makes sense and it's, it seems like a hard change where they didn't bother rewriting the beginning they just crowbarred them back in at the end yeah i mean it, it's funny though to think that um, in all the advertising, though, we did see him in an X-wing fight uh, 
X-Wing fighter. So, you know, mm. obviously that decision was kind of made early on. I mean, as kind of maybe as sloppy as it was, um, I'm kind of glad they kept the character in because uh, they can certainly do some stuff with him. I mean, the, the looks he was giving uh, Finn, you know, there, there were, you know, there's a bit of sexual tension going there, you know. There's a bit of man love. <laughs> and, you know, I think that would be kind of interesting to see in the Star Wars, you know, uh, universe, because there doesn't seem to be many women in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> I mean, for a long time, Princess Leia was the only woman in the, the whole entire universe, you know. <laughs> And what a woman she was, too. <laughs> Especially in Return of the uh, Jedi. Come on. <laughs> uh, I did love what my girlfriend had to say about um, seeing uh, Carrie Fisher on uh, in, in Force Awakens. It's like, God, her lips can't move. <laughs> yeah. Oh. It's like, oh, expressions got out of her face. Bless Carrie, but there you go. Yeah, yeah you think they're going to CGI some emotion on her face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 What, what do we think then of the, um, if you like, the the diverse new cast that we've got in this? What 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 are what are our thoughts? I mean, did did you guys have trouble sort of bearing in mind that we don't see our sort of um, classic Star Wars heroes and, and, until, you know, much, much later into the narrative. Um, did any of you were, you, were you sat there thinking, oh, come on, Han, come on, Luke, come on, Leia, where are you? Or were you happy with these, these new characters and the way they were introduced? I have to say, I think they kind of distracted from the story. I was actually, I was actually quite enjoying, you know, the story with, with Ray and Finn and, and Poe Daveron. And, you know, I was kind of like the way they sort of... Were, they had brought in the old trilogy through sort of, you know, just like the the X-Wing pilot helmet and the little doll she made and the you know, the fact she was living in the remains of an Atat. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of liked that. But then once Harrison Ford turned up, it got really in-jokey. You know, mm -hmm. and the I, 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 first time I enjoyed that, but I think going back to it is it, it's starting to grate a little bit. I mean, the whole bit with when he tries Chewbacca's bowcaster, and he's like, "Wow, this is great!" I'm yeah. thinking, all those years together, they've been together for like exactly years or whatever at that point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, yeah, they they have a long history you know, together before even we meet them in A New Hope. And uh, much, much as the joke worked and it made me smile and I liked it, it is kind of like, oh, come on, you mean to tell me in that, you know, 50 years that you've been together, you, you didn't you didn't at least once try out yeah. the bowcaster? Come on. You, you think <laughs> if nothing else, they would have just said, wow, this new bowcaster really works great. <laughs> you know, like... So, so some sort of explanation in it. Give us something. It was it was fun. I mean, I have to say that I, I, the one thing I do like about uh, The Force Awakens, and it still is after the fifth year, is it's still fun and it's enjoyable and it doesn't take itself so serious. But story-wise, it kind of is a little bit grating. It's, you know, the fact that it has to be another Death Star. It's, you know, it's, in, you know, it's not a Death Star, it's... Um, Big planet, 
that you know sucks the sun which again was another um element that came from the expanded universe there was another story where um in the expanded universe there was a, a planet that actually contained the sun within it which is more or less what the um, star killer base does is it takes the energy from the sun stores it within itself and then fires it off into space destroying i mean that was the other thing i mean we don't even know what those planets were they were destroyed was it coruscant you know they seem to be quite close together uh, yeah and you know and you know seeing all those people looking up going ah we didn't know who the hell they were yeah, it, this is where I feel that maybe something, I mean, there are a few, uh, what they jokingly call deleted scenes on, on the Blu-ray, but I, I, I fail mm. to believe that that's everything. Because what, one of the things that's interesting about that planet-destroying part is they do sort of focus specifically on this one woman who we've no idea yeah. who she mm -hmm. is, and that, that they, she kind of gets a close-up and all this, and I'm thinking... Is this another character that was in some sort of subplot that got deleted? Um, I did find that slightly distracting, I have to say. My girlfriend, who is a big fan of this film, she, when we got the Blu-ray, she was looking for that scene. She was convinced there must be a scene that has that character in it. And that's why I feel that the, the, the Blu-ray we have at the moment is, it doesn't have everything. No, no, I'm sure it doesn't. I think there's there's probably a lot more missing on there. But it, it is funny with the whole plot thing it, it, it is the fact that a lot of the plot, you know, and it has been criticised for this, is very derivative of, of A New Hope, you know, right down from, you know, right at the beginning, that a, a, a droid, a lone droid is, you know, carrying the, 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 the plans, you know, in his memory banks, uh, right the way through to the you know the whole you know like you said star killer base being essentially a large death star again you know even though yeah. they, they've had two failed attempts with this <laughs> already but you know we can't even get it right when it's the size of a fucking planet um but uh but you know it's interesting because there's there's all these things that are very similar and very samey but at the same time as we said that there are also holes and there are you know more questions than answers given you know with some of the characters and some of the the bits and pieces that happen in the plot um you know not least of which is is anakin stroke luke's lightsaber which uh obviously got got lost with his hand at bespin at the end of the empire strikes yeah. back it's not the one he has in jedi yeah. you know he built a different one for that and then suddenly this is in um maz's temple and uh you know there's there's clearly some sort of backstory adventure there but you, you know that that's a, that's another kind of um you, you know question that comes up when when you watch this if you want to be nitpicky about oh it, yeah you know? and, and which and which we got told oh don't worry about it <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah well basically. don't worry about it well my my feelings about why it's very similar to a new hope was that they wanted to reassure fans that they want to say hey it's just like the old trilogy don't worry, it's not the prequels. This is you're you're back in the same universe you was before. Uh, JJ has actually come out and said said that um, in interviews and such. <clears throat> but my thought is George Lucas didn't have to fall back onto an earlier Star Wars movie to reassure people. You know he he made a movie from all these different influences. 
uh, you know, to create the original. So, uh, you know, I didn't think JJ needed to fall so so far back to almost copy the plot of the the first movie to get everybody. I, I think everybody was fine with okay, we're using practical effects again. You know, we got this real world mm. feel. It feels like we're in the Star Wars universe. I don't I don't think they needed the same story beats as the original. Yeah, I mean, those. There's a lot of pressure though. There's there's a lot of pressure because, you know, as as much as money the prequels made, they really are derived, and they they suffer from the fact that, um, you know, that they more or less turned Darth Vader into Space Jesus. Sorry to borrow a line from Red Letter Media, but it's <laughs> kind of like the the prequels look at Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader as the audience does. When originally Darth Vader was kind of like he 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 wasn't like you know he wasn't he, he didn't seem to be the Emperor's right hand man did he he seemed to be this fallen Jedi who was working with Moff Tarkin yeah you know yeah. he seemed to be like the if if they were the Nazis then he would have been the head of the SS yeah and not you know the space Jesus. <laughs> Because you know nobody messes with the space Jesus. <laughs> it's the metachlorines. It's the metachlorines. Oh dear. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad they got rid of that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, apparently, you know, you were saying about um, different versions of, of of Star Wars that you can get out there. I heard on another podcast mm-hmm. I was listening to. Apparently, there is a version of Phantom Menace called the non-cheese version, and what they've done is they okay. they got rid of all the like stupid baby talk and um silly silly stuff um like with jar jar and uh and some of the other aliens and instead they've put in like an alien language with subtitles and apparently it works much better so i'm so i'm told i've not seen this one but uh yeah it's weird (laughs) well as much better as phantom menace could work well yes (laughs) you still got a lot of problems with that film yeah you you still got silly character (laughs) names and farting creatures and yes we're well away from that in this film which is a good thing you know (laughs) (laughs) you know back to force awakens i mean what what again another thing that's been brought up quite a bit um and and you know let's be honest we're doing it ourselves i mean george lucas he, he gets an incredible amount of flack about the uh, prequels. And, and in some cases, like I said, right, rightly so with some of the, 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 the silliness of those films. However, you, you know, when you go back and, and, and look at episode four, you know, um, yeah, I, I still think the film's wonderful. And, and one of the things that, that George did that was so great was his sense of, of world building. And, and creating mm. this um yeah and obviously uh, other people have brought their things to it and, and don't get me wrong i know that but um i've i've heard criticized on on many a conversation and i think um i, I think this is something maybe we've talked about as well james that that there's um some criticism about some of the world building elements that that, that jj uh decided to use in in um in the uh, in the Force Awakens, uh, for example, uh, just just to sort of put some context to that, uh, I've heard a lot of criticism, which I kind of agree with once I've analysed it, around the simple stroke spaceport that 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 Maz 
has you know the sort of the mm-hmm. sort of scene where they want to try and copy the Moss Eisley cantina um mm-hmm. and they've got this great I mean I think Maz is a fantastic character by the way wonderfully uh, played and, and you know that use of we say about them doing everything in camera the use of the motion capture for her and for Snoke and you know capturing the performance is is really well done in this film I think so <laughs> e- even though there's a lot of practical stuff there's also um there's there's also great use of modern technology as well but uh, you know Maz is a great character but how how do we feel about her um temple stroke cantina bar stroke spaceport stroke statue well i'm truth, i'm i'm all right with it um i didn't have that major problems with it i think the the music they were playing there was a bit crap. They need Cy Snoodles and his band to be there, you know? Definitely. You need a bit of... Du, 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 du. It was, there was nothing... The, the music was a bit really forgettable. But, uh, you know, it's... Yeah, I guess you can't... They they, they wanted to copy everything but that. <laughs> but, no, I, I liked her. Um, obviously, she's a counterpart to Yoda. She's again. She's a small character who's wiser than than she appears to be. Well, actually, she, there, there's actually no pretense. She's just a very wise character, <laughs> straight from the get go, and um, but very likable. And you know, also the fact that uh, she's able to find lost um, objects. I, I guess that's her kind of thing. That's her, her real specialty. Yeah. It's those glasses, man. I'm telling you, it's those glasses that was able to look through all those clouds and find that one little lightsaber. (laughs) Though shame she couldn't find the hand. (laughs) We know what happened to the hand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, something I like to say about her cantina. uh, Where did all those other aliens park, or did they get shuttled in from somewhere? Exactly. Exactly. This is this is mm. one of those sort of world building elements that, that, that doesn't really make sense in so much as this is supposed to be like a intergalactic <clears throat> spaceport, essentially. Yet we yeah. see it on this kind of idyllic um, forest type planet with, like you said, exactly right. No spaceships in sight anywhere. Not okay. a creature, you, not a, a living creature in sight anywhere. Exactly. Until you go through the doors of this temple, uh, you know, into into this bar, which, um, yeah, the, the, the other thing is, uh, and I know Rod had a real problem with this and, and uh, I found it quite interesting, is he said the fact that she had like kind of a Michael Jackson style statue of herself, um, <laughs> you, you know, at the top of the yeah. temple, didn't 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 relate to the sort of spiritual character that she was. And um, oh, you you don't remember the uh, wood carving of Yoda on Dagobah? It was, in the <laughs> <background>. <laughs> I, it was there, Keith. You just missed it. It was hiding underneath all that moss and weeds, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's so true. Ooh, um, I must it. hide. <laughs> Whittle, I must. <laughs> well, he had a lot of time. <laughs> Nine hundred years I've been carving. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Look as good as Billy will. <laughs> Great, but I am. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, but 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 you know, um, I, I've I've heard that and criticised quite a bit. And the other the other thing is, and this kind of feel, falls in line with with blockbuster movies in general at the moment is, of course, you know, we set up this temple where she lives, um, and of course, it has to get attacked and destroyed, and we have to have you know scenes of mass destruction because that has to appear in every film. Like, it's not bad enough. They've just, you know, destroyed all these planets. Let's go and uh, actually destroy this, you know, 5,000-year temple, whatever it's supposed to be in, in the process. But, uh, you know, it was a set piece, and hey. I, I love the fact that our heroes are able to emerge from this rubble without a scratch on them. Exactly. I mean, I know in the deleted scenes, they're... They're sort of down in the basement where uh, Ray found the lightsaber. Yeah, they don't even have dust on them. No, no, not even you know, not even like a little scratch. Mm. <laughs> well, I, I sort of want. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, as the fact that all those punters in there, apart from one or two you see on the surface, they all got killed. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that that that's that's. I think that's the point where. Plot-wise, um, the, the 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 last act, act, if you like, is is not as good as the rest of the the film. I think you, you know, although it's all very enjoyable and exciting to watch, mm. you know, it's not perfect. And um, you know, I, I I think as we sort of start to to get into that third and final act, um, this is where I think there are some or at least for me, some, some, some real problems, um, which, I, you know, I'm sure as we dig further, we'll come to. <laughs> well, I, I want to sort of address the whole Ray is a Mary Sue subject. Yeah. Do, um, do we all agree that this is the case or does anybody disagree that she's a Mary Sue? I agree well, in uh, two, two set parts of that. Um, Everything related to her Jedi powers, I think, is totally Mary Sue. And uh, as far as, like, her mechanical ability and stuff, it seems like the only time she ever makes a mistake is when it serves the purpose of the plot. Otherwise, she never makes a single mistake. The thing is, as well, is in the original Star Wars, you know, there were certain clues to show that Luke Skywalker was a good pilot. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that we saw him playing with um, the the model of the craft that him and Biggs would fly around the desert in. I can't remember. I actually had a, like a toy of that. Yeah, it's called a Skyhopper. Okay. And of course, you know, the fact that he, you know, would bullseye womp rats in his, in his craft, mm-hmm. you know. It was another T-16. indication. Yeah. I, there you yeah. go. There you go. And... Um, so the only thing we've seen Ray really do is, um, you know, fly around on a sort of speeder that looked like a uh, magnum bar. <laughs> <laughs> the shape of it looks like a chocolate bar to me, you know. Uh, so, you know, we, we don't really sort of, there's nothing to sort of indicate that she actually has any piloting skills. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just happens to be that when they're running, um, you know, she, I'm a pilot. Yeah, you've got one. Yeah, I can believe she's very good at fighting. Me too. Because she's she's had to survive in this really rough, you know, terrain, and you know, 
a girl like her, she would be victimized if she wasn't be able to take care of herself. Uh, but then it, when it comes to the, to knowing everything, you know, oh, your Harrison, you know, sorry, I was going to say your Harrison Ford. Of course, your Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> your hand solo. This is the Millennium Falcon. It did the Parsec running. The Castle Run. Yeah. 14. The Kessel, oh, sorry, the Castle Run in 14 Parsecs. It's 12. <laughs> you know, you could have had one scene where she's sitting there with another character who may have be talking about this stuff. And then you go, oh, okay, that's how she knows. Yeah. She just seems to know all this stuff. And then yeah. just, and then of course, then when we get into the third act and the the revealing of her Jedi powers, I guess this is where the title comes from. The Force awakens within her, but boy, is it awakening in a in a massive way, and it's not it's not earned. No, I mean that was the whole philosophy of the original Star Wars series was that the light side was the hard way that it took time it took patience and the dark side was the quick and easy way but it also led to destruction so unless of course you know they're gonna, it's going to turn out that actually she's a dark jedi which would be uh would be quite funny especially since her name is ray um but uh, i can't see that myself i don't think disney would be that brave you know, to say that actually Ray is, is a Sith. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because that would would explain maybe how, you know, how quickly she gets her Force powers. But, um, yeah, it's it, it, it sort of comes too easy. I mean, the thing with, with Ray and, 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 and Daisy Ridley, who plays her, um, I actually think this is a, you know, a very strong uh, character. Uh, I thought Daisy was, I mean, wh what a gig, sort of straight out of drama school to mm. this. I mean, I, I, I don't know whether she realizes how lucky she is. I hope she does. But, um, you know, that that's that's pretty amazing. And um, I know she's sort of getting comparisons and whatever to Kira Knightley uh, in the way she looks. But um, I, I thought that she was actually pretty strong in this. Oh, no, I agree. I think I think I think Daisy Ridley does a really great job because even though all those things I've said as negatives, I really like the character and I think she's a very likable character. I just think it's the scripts. I think it's the, the, the storytelling that kind of is because I agree. Does we, we all know what a Mary Sue is, don't we? Yeah. Yes. Okay. For those who don't know, <laughs> oh right, they, you were supposed to be setting us up. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Hey. Anyway, <laughs> go on, <laughs> catch up, everybody. Um, but th the thing about a Mary Sue is the idea is that the author puts themselves into the into the story, and they they they're instantly friends with everybody. I mean, the the fact that yeah, the indications for this is like Han Solo. He's only met her for only a, a couple of hours but yet is quite impressed and offers her a job as like a shipmate on the millennium falcon uh, if anything he was probably getting ready to give chewbacca the heave ho you know sorry chewbacca <laughs> too bad chewy kind of likes you <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> shame until he finds out that you're taking his position <laughs> now i mean i mean the thing the thing with ray is uh you know she's definitely one of the characters that has 
opened up more questions than answers because um, mm. obviously, yes, we, we find that, you know, she can fly. She's a, she's a hot pilot. She can fly the Millennium Falcon. You know, I can do this. I can do this. And she does with, with great uh, proficiency. Um, we also find, and I was a little distracted by this at the beginning, is she's one of these people that understand all these different alien languages. Uh-huh. You know, she, 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 she yeah. understands Chewbacca, right? But, um, but she also understands... Um, you know, BB-8, which yeah, I had a yeah, little, I, that, yeah. that pulled me out of the film because I was like, hold on a second, you know, Luke Luke never understood R2-D2 and they needed 3PO as a translator and all this. But then I did think, ah, oh, but there was that Treadwell droid at the uh, in The Empire Strikes Back just before the Battle of Hoth that Han's talking to and, and understands, you know, while it's repairing the Falcon. So, you, you know, there are characters in that universe that do understand the, the various artificial intelligence uh, language, etc. But, you know, she understood, she understood the Wookiee language. She understood BB-8. Um, and then obviously she has this massive affinity with the force that we've not really seen that strong since Anakin Skywalker, because um, even Luke, as you rightly pointed out, you know, um, had quite a long process between those films and across that trilogy before he did indeed master, you know, his use of the force uh, that was, you know, strong with his family anyway. So the question is, you know, is Rey uh, another offspring of, of Han and Leia or is she an offspring of Luke Skywalker, you, you know, or is she one of these, you know, force babies like Anakin was you know so it's like uh you, you know that's opened up a lot of questions but presumably those are things that are going to be addressed in in future installments one one would hope I'm hoping that she's not a relative of of the Skywalkers because you know it, it makes the galaxy rather small if that's the case well it does I mean this is this is one of the problems with you, you know I mean when, when you get things set on earth um, you, you know, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe and those sort of things. And, and, and we were talking about it in the Bond thing with Blofeld. Um, you, you know, it's coincidence enough that all of these things happen and these people know each other and related, etc. But when you're talking about this massive galaxy of hundreds of star systems, you know, far, far away, the fact that everybody's related and knows each other does make it kind of a bit bizarre, really. You know, it's, it's again, I'm being massively nitpicky, but yes. <laughs> you know what you were saying about Ray earlier? I was thinking she could make a, a better living being a protocol droid than she could uh, a scavenger. There you have it. Yes, that would get her more portions. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, by the way, I've got to say. Simon Pegg did so well to become mates with J.J. Abrams, didn't he? <laughs> you, you, you know what yes. I mean? <laughs> he has done so well at being his mate. Oh, dear. I love, I love you, Mr. Pegg, but I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I have to say, even if he wasn't friends with J.J., I'm sure he probably would have got a role in it because his, his love of Star Wars is quite well known, especially from the TV series Spaced. Of course, yes. Yes, indeed. But, uh, yeah, okay, Samuel Jackson. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there you go. 
there you go but uh hey i mean i'm I'm jealous of all these all these actors i mean i was i was jealous of ewan for god's sake when he was cast as obi-wan so there you go of course why why wouldn't i be of course but no good stuff good stuff um uh, with regards to other characters then i mean how do we feel about the character of FN2187, or Finn as he ends up being called. I, I like the little nod to uh, Princess Leia's um, cell number there, a uh, little Easter egg by mm. JJ. Um, but what do we think of John Boyega? Oh, I thought he was great. Um, I uh, actually, I really liked the Finn character because he is, he, he seems to be, well, I mean, okay, Ray does go through a bit of a journey, but, but so does, but Finn's journey is a lot more interesting. The fact that you have this character who, from a young child, has been, you know, trained to be a soldier. And when he goes out on, I believe, what is his first mission, and he sees his friend die, um, you know, he is repulsed by it and tries to get away. And, you know, by the end, he kind of steps up to, to, to help his friend you know to the point where he sacrifices himself where he steps in front of kylo ren with a lightsaber untrained and takes him on yeah no i mean i i thought i thought he was great i thought john boyega was 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 excellent um in this i mean i hadn't been a a, a massive fan prior to this because I, I i really wasn't a fan of attack the block at all i thought that was a dreadful film so um what did, was, <laughs> hold up keith what's going on is that you, Jane? Oh, sorry. I forgot the mute. I was uh, making a chocolate shake. You're making a milkshake, James? Oh, chocolate sure. milkshake. A chocolate milkshake. Yeah, J- James is always famous uh, for cho- uh, chocolate milkshakes and pepperoni pizza. Isn't that right, James? Yeah. In- indeed, indeed. <laughs> Fair enough. I hope not in the same mixture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in a blender together. There you go. Uh, a chocolate pepperoni shake. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but no, I, I thought I thought John Boyega was was great in this. I really warmed to to Finn. I thought he was a very interesting mm. character. I think the whole. Um, you know, I found that quite intriguing from the start, actually, to make these okay. They're 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 slightly updated um, stormtroopers to to what we've seen and what we've been used to, but to actually sort of characterise them more and um, you, you, you know have this have this instance where uh, we've 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 got a character that, that that's questioning what he's doing. Um, I have to say, he made a, a slightly chunky stormtrooper, though. Uh, I don't know whether you thought that, but uh, <laughs> but uh, one, one of the things I found interesting, though, was that they they also included um, <coughs> female stormtroopers, but they they didn't sexualize the the armor in any way, which I thought was 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 quite good. So you you had you know female stormtroopers, but they were wearing the the the, the same armor as as the male stormtroopers. Um, I thought that was quite interesting. I mean, this this whole film, I guess, is has a little bit of girl power going on in it, um, as opposed to the originals. Yeah, apart from Captain Phasma, were there were there other women in in Stormtrooper outfits? Because I didn't get I didn't get the sense when they're searching for Ray when she's um, escaped. Uh, you know. Oh custody, yes, sorry. There, there, yes, there's, you're there's a couple of yes. female ones there, and uh, yes, yes. Yeah, Kylo Ren talks to one of them, yeah. Exactly. When she's escaped from Daniel Craig, I was just like, 
bloody hell. <laughs> I was like, you know, what chance have the rest of us got if you've got an A-list star doing that now? You know, <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like I saw um I saw uh, uh what's it called uh, Thirteen Cloverfield Lane and um right. it, it it made me laugh. There's there's one bit with a voice on an answer machine that's the, the that's the boyfriend of um uh Mary Elizabeth Winston's character in it. And it's like four lines of dialogue and it's Bradley Cooper doing the four lines of dialogue on the answer machine. I'm like, blimey. Well, there you go. It's one of one of JJ's <laughs> mates again, isn't it? <laughs> but yes, go, we, yeah. we, we had the little Daniel Craig. Let's step over from the Bond set to, to, to play JB007, the Stormtrooper. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but yeah, what, what chance do the rest of us stand? I don't know. But, uh, no, that, go that, on, that. Keith. You still got a chance. Uh, they've, they've, they've got, you know, they've, they still got film one more part of the trilogy and they've got two other films as well. And the way things are going, they're probably going to reshoot them all as well. So you still got a chance. Keith. You've got to keep, you got to keep believing. Indeed. Indeed. Stay a believer. <laughs> Definitely. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think Finn, um, I think both Ray and Finn are very strong in this film. Um, and, uh, y y you know, for me, kind of took away a little bit from uh, Poe Dameron, who, who I think has the potential to be a really interesting character. I love the beginning of the, the film with him and Max mm. Boncido's character and, um, you know, the fact he's this like hot shot pilot, etc. But um, but I felt that <coughs> once uh, Ray and, and Finn got on the scene, you, you know, the, the story was really theirs and... Um, uh, you know, very impressive they were too, I think, in, in both cases. I, I, I like uh, all the new characters, but I felt like the, the way they were put together was kind of forced and rushed, like uh, the, like their chemistry was kind of forced to serve the plot further along, whereas uh, the original one, we kind of got to see the chemistry grow together because they were stuck mm. in this one big adventure together. No, that's, that, that is true, but but then I, I, I've seen other films where it's been a lot more rushed and forced. And uh, also the fact I, I like the fact there wasn't like a romance as well. Not only was was there not a romance, um, I think uh, Finn got put into the uh, Finn zone, so to speak. <laughs> he did, didn't he? Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but but. You know, Poe's always going to be there for him. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, maybe, maybe that's the romance <laughs> that, you've, that you've alluded to. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I also thought we've already said that, you know, Maz is a very interesting character. We haven't talked yet about um, Kylo Ren himself as, as played by Adam Driver. Um, what were your thoughts on, on this character? Let me mute again so you don't hear me vomiting. <laughs> 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 well, I um, I like I actually I quite quite liked him as a villain. I was thinking, oh god, this is he, he looked he didn't look great in the posters or anything, but uh, I thought he kind of worked. Um, you know, guy, he's got a bit of a temper on him, which uh, you know was quite funny in moments. I mean, I loved the the scene, his reaction to finding uh, Ray has escaped and the two stormtroopers just backing off because <laughs> you know he tends to go around destroying equipment with his lightsaber but i mean i also like the fact that he's not fully trained that he's still 
you know, somebody who's not mastered, um, you know, his powers. And, the, you know, the, the beginning when he stops that laser bolt, I thought was, was a, a really great touch because we, we've never seen that before. We've seen them deflect laser bolts, but we've never seen them actually stop one in, in mid-flight. Yeah. Plus, we have blue laser bolts in Star Wars now. There you go. But uh, mm. yeah, no, I, I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, you, you know, it, it is interesting because he is sort of, you know, you, you instantly think that he's going to be kind of the the Darth Vader of this um, this trilogy or this part of the story. And, um, you, you know, he is actually far from it. You, you know, it, it's interesting that he is this sort of inexperienced uh, wannabe Darth Vader. You know, he wants to to, to, to follow in his, his uh, grandfather's footsteps, uh, as it were. Um, I mean, I, I found it somewhat interesting that, uh, you know, where is Darth Vader, who, who let's be honest, it was an absolutely fantastically, wonderfully conceived and created character uh, in the original trilogy. Um, you, you know, he had to wear a mask in order to stay alive it was you know part of his mm. his breathing apparatus it was there for a reason whereas with with kylo um obviously it's revealed in quite a good way i think you know early on that he that he that he takes his mask off it's and cosplay. obviously there's all the well it's that <laughs> i mean there's there's all the psychological reasons and the fact that he's you know trying to be part of the machine um and, and lose his humanity and you, you, you know those, those sort of things, but um... well, I thought he had a, a very interesting dilemma because he was actually filling the pool of the light side, and he was trying to fight against it. Yes, I mean, I did, I did like that when he was speaking to you know Darth Vader's um, helmet or what's left of it. You know that he he was having this this struggle within him, mm -hmm. and that he was kind of aware of it. And I, I, I did actually like the way um, the scene with him and Han Solo was composed. I liked the way that um, he, you know, that Han Solo represented the light side and he represented the dark side and the whole, the shaft of light coming through the doorway and everything. I thought that worked really well and it was, I liked the way it was lit and it was composed and I just I just liked the way that scene worked. I mean, I knew as soon as Han Solo walked onto that uh, catwalk that he was not going to walk off it because... Well, there had been spoilers for some time. As a fan, knowing that Harrison Ford always wanted to die. Yeah. And you've got Lawrence Kasdan as well, who agreed with that and fought with Lucas on the script of Return of the Jedi to kill off Han Solo. So when he was on board, Harrison Ford agreed to it. I'd, I'd realised that, you know, Han Solo wasn't going to see the end credits, really. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, um, one, of the things, one of the things about Harrison Ford in this film, uh, I mean, obviously we've talked about quite a lot of the, 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 the new cast, and, and I guess we'll, we'll, we'll get on to some of the, the original cast. Um, I, I mean, uh, for me... And, and, and I've got friends that really disagree with me on this. But for, for me, I felt that um, Harrison Ford, you, you know, this, this was the best I've seen him for ages. Uh, you, you know, as far as I was concerned, Han Solo, yes, he'd got 35 years older or whatever, but he was back. And we had we had, you know, even though he'd taken kind of a, 
Obi-Wan Kenobi type mantle in this film. But I, I felt that we had Han Solo from The Empire Strikes Back back with us because I always had an issue. One of my issues with Jedi was always the fact that um, Han Solo came out of that carbonite, a completely different character. I mean, when he was frozen at the end of Empire Strikes Back, he was the coolest guy in the galaxy. And, and as a kid, Han Solo was the one in the playground that I always wanted to be and wanted to dress up as. And Han Solo was the coolest character. Whereas by the time we got to Return of the Jedi, suddenly to me, Luke was far the coolest character. Now he was a Jedi and he had a robotic hand and he had a green lightsaber and all this cool stuff. And Han, to me in that film, was, was, was quite frankly a bit of a buffoon and a bit of a twit. And I think now I understand more about acting and I understand more about the production. I think it was just a case of Harrison Ford didn't want to be there, you know, and he was bored and, you know, just basically kind of phoned in this 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 bored, unhappy to be there performance. And I felt in this film that we had the we had Harrison back. Uh, I've got friends that disagree with that and feel that he's still the. Harrison Ford buffoon uh, Han Solo from um, from from Jedi. So, what, what, what do you guys think about that? Uh, well, I agree for the most part. Um, I felt like any time I saw Han and particularly Han and Chewie on screen, we're seeing the old gang again. You know, it, it, I, I totally bought into it being Han Solo and not just Harrison Ford phoning in a performance, which I heard p plenty of criticism of as well. But uh, yeah, I totally felt like I was seeing those two back in action again. But I do think the movie kind of turned Han Solo into a big loser. If you want me to get into mm -hmm. it. Yeah, um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, no, you're, you're quite right. I mean, he's still sort of trying to swindle people and do deals and stuff. And you think, well, you might have learnt from those lessons. I mean, the fact that, you know, he had the bounty on him by Jabba the Hutt you think well maybe you think twice about doing these things and yet there he is back again yeah. still doing well, it. Well even in the case of Jabba the Hutt you know supposedly he had to dump his shipment so you know it's questionable mm. you know how if he was trying to swindle him or not but in the case of these two gangs that uh, he um, confronts he is totally swindling them you know like we see him yeah. on camera lie to the one guy about you know the you know not getting the money from the other gang and then the other gang shows up. So, you know, it's like he, he went from smuggler to rebel general to con, con man. Oh, when he, he went sees back to doing what he does best, didn't he? As exactly. He layer. Exactly. Yeah. And if this is what he does best, that he's so horrible that he just screwed over the last two people who will deal with him. He's nothing but a loser. And the resistance was probably glad to see him die when he died. Wow. Wow. OK. I was just going to say, because at the end of the film... There's only two people who actually mourn for Han Solo, mm -hmm. and that's Princess Leia and Rey. Nobody else does. Everybody's cheering because uh, yeah. they blew up, you know, the Star Killer base. Yeah, sorry, I'm glad you brought that up because that is one of my issues with the third act, big time, was the fact that, um, you know, throughout the film, the banter and the chemistry between Han and Chewbacca was wonderful. You know, they, mm -hmm. a lot of it was there for fan service and for joke, but. It, it was really good. My big problem was, is, was after Han died, he had no 
There was no aftermath to his death. There was no mourning. You know, Chewie gets off of the ship and walks past Leia. <laughs> and I'm like, hold on a second. Surely, I mean, even, even at the pace New Hope moved along, we still had you know, the, the scene where Luke said he just can't believe Ben's gone. And then later when he's on, mm -hmm. on Yavin, he says, I only wish Ben were here. And, and you, you know, Ben, ben had sacrificed himself so they could get away, but he wasn't forgotten, right? Yeah. Whereas Han, in, in this instance, you know, one of the major characters, one of the most loved characters in Star Wars, um, you, you, you know, you see Leia react, you know, uh, as he falls, you know, you can, and obviously Chewie lets out a big roar and shoots Kylo Ren and, you, you know, all of this sort of stuff. But as soon as they get back to the base, they're, they're, they're all ready to move on to the next adventure. And I'm like, where is the where is the mourning of this character? Where is where is Han's funeral? Where, mm -hmm. you know, where, there was nothing in the wake of Han's dying. And, and I did have a massive problem with that. And, and it's still that 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 wound me up when I saw it. And it still does now. I'm like he wasn't he, he was served really well throughout the story and was great, you know, right up to his death. But there was no there, there was just no aftermath of that. And I felt that was something that was really missing by JJ. I don't know whether you guys feel like that. Well, I was going to say even Qui-Gon got a funeral. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> and he wasn't great. He wasn't that great a character. <laughs> yeah, I guess this is one instance where uh, he didn't uh, ape a, a New Hope because New Hope ends with this big celebration sort of thing. You know, they could have ended with a celebration slash funeral for Han. But hey, you know, we, he sacrificed to blow up Starkiller base. So, you know, we're celebrating at the same time. You know, something to just to kind of put a bow on the end of that movie. But my personal theory about uh, Chewie passing Leia at the end is he secretly hated Leia. And uh, now he didn't have to put up with her anymore because Han was dead. The last connection between them was dead. <laughs> so he walked past her saying, see, see you later, bitch. I'm done with you. He'd become the pet. He'd become their pet. It's like, yeah. you get to you get to keep the dog. The dog. Yeah. With you, you ever see the uh, big shaggy dog movies? He was the shaggy yeah. dog. We called the dog yeah. Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. That's one of the best. Yeah, they, they actually called Ben oh. Chewy as a kid. That's what. Uh... <laughs> Love it. I, I, will, I just want to say about Han Silo's death, though. I'm I'm glad that it was a very personal thing, and it wasn't him sacrificing himself to blow up the base. It was that it, it was. I did love the fact that he was trying to reach out to to Ben to Kylo Ren, and you know trying to get his son back. And uh, of course, it just didn't work. And I thought that worked really well. Yeah. No, I agree. I thought that was actually one of the better scenes in the film and it was it was really well done. Unfortunately, I mean, you know, I, I think the community in general was quite good about not, you know, spoiling this for people. Mm. But long before the, the, the film actually came out, I had I had heard a rumour that Han was going to die in it. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, I'd for, pretty much forgotten that by the time I went to see it. But it was kind of a... You, you know, I, I like you. As soon as he walked onto that that platform, regardless of the fact that there was no fucking handrail, but you know, the minute he walked on there, no ocean space. He's dead. He's dead. You know, but uh, yeah, I, I think they, um, I think they did that bit with you know revealing that um, Kylo's 
actual name was Ben, uh, Ben Solo, you know, mm. uh, and all of that sort of thing. I, I, I thought they handled that well. I thought um, both Harrison Ford and Adam Driver played the scene quite well. Um, I do have friends that I've spoken to, though, and one of them is absolutely furious on the fact that we were robbed of any chance of having a scene with Han and Luke reunited. And that was a major missed mm. opportunity. What do you think about that? I tend to agree. Yeah, as you said it, I kind of, I didn't think about that at all. But now as you say it, I think, yeah, actually, that would have been, uh, that would have been great to see. And we have been kind of robbed of that now. Unless, of course, Han Solo comes back as a ghost, a force <laughs> ghost. <laughs> Yeah, I'd make thoughts about uh, Han's death. Like I, I like the idea <clears throat> where they're going, but I felt it, like it was the first draft of the script. It still it kind of felt awkward and clunky, and they just didn't quite have it down yet. Um, the version version they shot, you know, just kind yeah, of seemed, okay. you know, like uh, I mean, like you said, everybody knew he was going to die. Certainly, he knew he was going to die. Mm-hmm. You would think. Um, I think it was, yeah, yeah. I think, I think, from Harrison Ford's point of view, it was probably the only way he agreed to do the film. Yeah, in the oh, first that's place. totally fine. Yeah, I totally expected him to die, and I felt him dying was worth seeing Han Solo on screen again. But uh, it, just, it just felt a little something empty about it. Like I don't know, like there's some sort of missing piece. I felt like they spent a little bit more time on the script, they could have massaged that out. Yeah, well, for me, the missing piece was that, that there was no aftermath. You know, that, that for me, is definitely the yeah. missing piece, you know? but I get the feeling with episode eight, we're going to have a lot of flashbacks. I think there's going to be a lot of gap filling in episode eight where we kind of learn about uh, what happened with Luke Skywalker's Jedi school. And... Um, Oh, so it's the sort of the rise of um, the First Order. So I think I think Harrison Ford might actually be back in Episode Eight in some form. Really? In a flashback. Well, supposedly okay. that's been that's supposedly been addressed because uh, he he was on the IMDb page for Episode Eight for a while, and Kathleen Kennedy wow. had made some comment uh, like everybody here on stage is returning for Episode Eight, and Harrison Ford was one of those people. Mm. But she since has gone back and uh, said. Harrison Ford is not coming back in episode eight, but you know, again, that could be a red herring as well, but she has made a, a yeah. statement saying he's not coming back for episode eight. Harrison really made me laugh on the, uh, on the BAFTA Q and a, because the, um, the mediator made reference to the fact that Han died and Harrison, you know, he's dead sort of pan dead straight face went, what? He's fucking dead. well you know if it wasn't the lightsaber through his chest to fall down into whatever was down there and the planet exploding then yes he would be alive yeah maybe maybe you couldn't get deader than dead than that Uh, yeah i mean rasputin's easier to kill yes yeah Yeah. um Actually, this this all kind of leads quite nicely into, again, uh, one of my, if you like, nitpicks with it. And certainly uh, my good friend Alex, uh, I I know he has a a big problem with this, is the whole 
R2-D2 suddenly waking up, because obviously the Force has awakened. I mean, I get mm-hmm. that. But how that whole last bit felt very tacked on and very much set up for the next movie. How, how, how did you feel about that? Did you feel that the film had, was sort of over and that, and that was sort of somewhat tacked on? Yeah, I was aggravated with it because it's like, okay, we, knew, we know Mark Hamill's in this movie somewhere. The movie's pretty much done. So, gee, what's the big mystery? You know, what is she walking up to? What could we possibly see? You know, wow, it's Mark Hamill. Like, nobody saw that coming. You know, you'd have to be <laughs> dead not, not to see that coming. And uh, I, I wish they did something where, you know, they put, like, more Mark Hamill in the flashback scene. And maybe Mark could have said, oh, I'm not really in this movie. I'm just like in a flashback. So when you saw him, you're like, OK, there there he was. And you're not expecting to see him again. But at this point, you know, it was just no surprise whatsoever. Yeah, because we knew he was going to be in it. And, uh, you know, it was so heavily publicized that he'd be in it. And it was the only place he could be, because apart from his hand, his robotic hand on R2's domed head that's all we'd really seen up until that point wasn't it so mm, yeah um, uh, but yeah, yeah i mean uh, you know the whole sort of r2d2 i mean we, we all kind of get why r2d2 suddenly springs into life but it did all seem very very sort of tacked on you know where we should have had um the morning of, of the lost loss of han solo instead mm-hmm. we had this kind of Oh, oh, everybody, R2-D2's back to life. And oh, look, we've the map. Oh, we've now yeah. got that. So you oh, know, let, let him let's wake up at the funeral. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Why not? But <laughs> well, I think just just even just somebody, you know, maybe I would have thought maybe the the, the chip that uh, BB-8 had, if, you know, maybe it was like a missing part of R2-D2 and they'd put him they could have put that back into him and that would have what would have reactivated him. Yeah. Because that was a better idea. What was the thing that react reactivated? Was it the Starkiller base blowing up? Was it the fact that Han Solo died? Um, you know, what was this this marker that Luke Skywalker had put in, you know, R2 D two that it would, you know what 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 event was it that was to wake him up? I, I think maybe Mar- it's the uh, lightsaber. Luke's- I think Luke Skywalker saw so far in the future that he put an exact timer on the R2 when to reactivate because that's how good of a uh, Jedi he had become. <laughs> yes, I, I think it was it was obviously um, Ray turning up with 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 Luke stroke Anakin's lightsaber that did it. But uh, but I agree with your idea, Simon. I think it would have been much better that had the rather than plans, had what BB-8 was carrying be something that, that, that needed to reactivate R2. I think that's quite interesting, actually. But yeah. uh, but it wasn't. So there you go. <laughs> also, uh, my, I have a problem with the fact that how quickly they get to the planet. Because <laughs> they, they take off in the Millennium Falcon and they are there within minutes. They look like they literally just flew off into light speed and they were there like that. When to the map she didn't change it was only island yeah but i mean the thing is that on the map it looked quite a far distance from where they were yeah it didn't look like it was a trip around the corner i think what would have worked better ending wise is if you'd seen the millennium falcon fly off like the end of empire Mm -hmm. and we just we know then that episode eight is you know they're gonna reach that planet or 
you know the we as you say Keith about it being tacked on it was that just that extra bit that was on at the end mm. and of course I think the final shot was was not very good yeah I think the helicopter shot of them standing there with her <laughs> holding the lightsaber out was just it, it should have just ended on on Luke's face yeah you know yeah it's you know him looking at her and then you you know fade to black you know Star Wars directed by J.J. Abrams and yet they had to have this helicopter shot <laughs> circling around them and making it look like she was standing there for God knows how long <laughs> my, uh, my personal theory is that that was actually her first Jedi lesson Luke was teaching her the isometric uh, <laughs> lightsaber hold for long standoffs <laughs> between uh, talkative villains <laughs> well the thing is now every time I see that scene I can't stop thinking about lonely Skywalker singing <laughs> yes i've seen that i haven't seen that <laughs> oh it's it's brilliant um she's um he he's he turns around and starts singing i can't live without you and she holds up a microphone to him and it's just, it's hilarious because somebody superimposed their mouth over luke skywalker's and it wobbles and it's just it, it, it's such a, a delight to see so when he hits the high note it's like planets explode <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also, I mean, what do you guys think of, um, like, all the stuff that's come off the back of this? Like the Twitter feed, Lonely Luke, and um, there's the Kylo Ren one as well. Is it like emo Kylo Ren or something like that? And it's just, you know, two fans who've taken these Twitter feeds and they just, they really run with it. I think seen... some people have got just way too much time on their hands. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, it is amazing that you can take stuff like that and, and make it your own. I mean, there, there's some some wonderful videos. I mean, the, the Lonely Skywalker stuff is great. It's like, uh, you know, day 500, walked out, looked at the sea for a bit, walked back in. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. um, well, there's there's another bit in the um, in the film which I guess is setting up episode eight, but um, when they're looking at the map on the Millennium Falcon and um, Han Solo sort of talks, you know, he says everything, uh, everything is, everything you heard is correct, you know. And um, they talk about the Jedi, the Jedi Temple. They call it something else. But again, this is something that Ray knows about, which as an audience member, I'm like, I've never heard of this. <laughs> You know, like the Jedi, yeah. it's the Jedi's first temple or something like that, which I gather is is on this planet. Simon's like, I've read the whole expanded universe and I don't know this. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the thing. The, there was a series of books called Jedi Academy, which hey. they turned the old base on Yavin 4 into the Jedi Academy. Right. Because that was actually a, it wasn't a Jedi temple, it was actually a Sith temple. Oh, interesting. Okay. So the whole the whole concept of there being Jedi temples isn't a new thing, but this sort of inf information that was kind of dropped in, but you know was never sort of talked about again. You know, but yet again, Ray, in all her wisdom, knew about it, even though she's been stuck on a desert planet for her, mm. most of her life. It's not Tatooine. So it was. I, I, it's not Tatooine. No. <laughs> no it's, 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 Jakku. Yeah, like twins Jakku. with Tatooine. 
Yeah, like why? Like, like that was the big difference. Like, oh, this isn't on Tatooine. Otherwise, it's just like Tatooine. <laughs> yeah. So you got one son. <laughs> yeah, not two sons, just one son. It's Jakku. No, I mean, I mean that's interesting. I, I have to say, sort of, you know, myself uh, beyond the, apart from the Timothy Zahn, you know, um, heir to the Empire trilogy, uh, I'm not particularly that much of an aficionado on the expanded universe. Um, I was very into the, 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 the star, the various Star Wars radio dramas and, um, mm. you know, the things that sort of took place in and around the, well, I say the six movies, particularly the, 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 the three movies of the original trilogy. And I was quite into all of that, but uh, it got to a point where they were going sort of, you know, years and years outside of um, that stuff. So, wow, what was that? <laughs> wow, R two D 2s just reactivated. Yeah, finally, R two reactivated. I got the missing there piece. You, there you go. Um, but yeah, so so I, you know, there there was it began to come sort of so far out of it that I didn't really keep up with it all. But um, you know, mm. which is good because it means I, I don't get too pissed off about the fact that they haven't sort of stuck to it. But uh, I know there's a lot of stuff out there. Yeah, I, I, as a fan, I think you get used to that kind of stuff because for all the sort of film franchises out there that has like an extended universe, the films are canon. So a lot of the time, things that have been explored in the um, you know extended universe has to get thrown aside because of a change they make in the film. I mean, good example is Alien 3. I mean, there was a whole series of comic books that continued the adventures of Hicks and Newt. And then in Alien 3, they killed them off. And then, of course, they, Dark Horse Comics had to go back and change the characters in those stories because they couldn't be Newt or Hicks. Bit of wrecked awning. Yes. <laughs> well, I think the, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has kind of switched that paradigm where, um, kind of like what you're saying with the... Um, the expanded universe of Star Wars, you know, they can go and cherry pick all the best story elements and then create the cinematic universe. But the, the uh, comic universe still exists as its own thing. Um, mm, yeah. You know, it makes you wonder why couldn't the extended universe of Star Wars still exist as its own thing? And uh, the, the cinematic Star Wars cinematic universe just be something completely different. Well, I mean, when Disney bought Lucasfilm, they bought everything, including the merchandising. And so they want to steer the sort of their version of the extended universe to be around these new films. So hence why they've made the extended, uh, the, the expanded universe now the legends, because they are going a different way. And it's going to be a lot different to the expanded universe. I mean, just from the sole point that um, Luke, uh, sorry, Han and Leah had three kids, uh, two of which were twins, a boy and a girl. And um, and even in that, uh, one of them turned to evil and killed one of the the children in it. So you know, oh, dark. Yeah, it was. So there's things in that that you know that doesn't quite sit with what they're doing now with the uh you know with these new films or maybe it does i mean as i say we don't know who ray is ray you know and, and the fact that kylo ren gets quite you know annoyed when he finds out there was a girl that means something to him mm -hmm. 
and the fact that he's trying to you know get her to come over to the dark side yeah what are what are you guys thought on supreme leader snook or snork or snoke yeah big Um, hologram guy a hologram that casts shadows for some reason oh wow yeah good point (laughs) uh yeah i mean it's interesting we're we're obviously going to learn a lot more about this um you know i mean i like andy andy circus as a as an actor anyway and um uh you, you know some people have sort of complained that it's just sort of like the emperor palpatine all over again um but uh yeah you know you know i i don't really have any sort of strong feelings for or against really i i don't have a problem with it i'm just interested in learning more about him put it this way i'm more interested in learning more about him than i am as to why c3po has a red arm oh yeah well i can i just say i <laughs> when c3po popped up ruined that scene it was so annoying yeah. it, it totally felt like we need to throw c3po in here somewhere here here's a spot right here and it's kind of like um you know, it would be. I, I knew he was in the film, and it would have been great to have him in the background. But you know, I think C three PO's importance is kind of it's it's gone really. Mm-hmm. Well, especially if everybody understands BB eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do we exactly. need him for? What do we need him for? We understand <laughs> what he's <you're> saying. <laughs> but um, going back to Supreme Leader uh, Snook. The, the one he he was the one thing in the first time I watched it that kind of knocked me out of the story because it's like wow where's this giant of a of a creature come from <laughs> and then you kind of realize oh okay he's a hologram so you know obviously he's not that big in real life I mean I'm I'm hoping he's actually quite small but um I also think that he's Darth Plagueis ah Yes, he he's sort of a character that was mentioned in Revenge of the Sith, and um, I think he's you know that's something connecting to the to the prequels because there is there is a bit of prequel connection, isn't there? I mean, we hear Ewan McGregor's Obi Wan Kenobi in that um, that Force vision that Ray has when she touches the lightsaber, mm-hmm. which um, I must admit when I first saw that i thought it was going to be like when luke saw uh darth vader on um on dagobah Mm -hmm. i thought i thought it was going to be like that when he went to the tree and it kind of was but also i don't know it's just again i think a bit of setup for the for the next film because we do see that kylo ren isn't the only sort of uh, bad guy there, there was others around him the knights of ren yeah yeah right knights of ren yeah yeah so i'm hoping to see maybe more that he's sort of like a like a, a captain of of this like dark jedi team i've heard you know some of your theories there that you've mentioned um you know i've heard other people say about you know snoke and um uh, you, you know, speculation around Kylo Ren and the and the Knights of Ren and things things of that nature. Um, okay, I, I'm just looking at some of the notes that I got back from some friends about some of the, we, we, you know, we've talked about some of the good, um, but but some of the bad. And 
one of the things that uh, let, let, let me ask what, what were your thoughts on on JJ's actual direction of this? Well, JJ's very good at um, copying other directors. I mean, when he did Super 8, it felt like a Spielberg film. So when he did this, it actually felt like a, you know, early Lucasfilm. Uh, but it's, you know, the, the thing about JJ is though he's very good at aping other directors. Um, I, I, I don't quite know what, you know, what a JJ Abrahams film really is, to tell the truth. Uh, <laughs> he, because he's so morphous and so, you know, he, he seems to be able to um, take on kind of like the spirit of other directors that he doesn't seem to have his own own stamp apart from light flares i was gonna say there were, there were no lens flares yeah i was about to say that no there was no lens flares no i've heard some criticism um regarding some of his composition uh obviously something lucas was a was a massive fan of was the sort of akira kurosara um you, you know extremely wide shots and letting the action play out in a uh you know, 235 to one aspect wide shot. And obviously JJ tends to, tends to favor the close up a lot more. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, mm. I think he had some, some Vista shots in there for sure. Um, but what, what, what did you think? Did, did, did it feel, you know, somewhat different to, uh, to, to how Lucas had set things up or how Irving Kushner had carried it on in, in empire? I feel like he got the style of the original trilogy, like the look of it, but he was missing the substance of it. Yeah. I mean, there were things we say about what is JJ. I felt some of the, if you like, some of the more bantery things were very JJ. Like for example, at the beginning when Poe Dameron first faces off with Kylo Ren and he does the whole, so are you going to talk or am I going to talk? Who's going to talk first, you know, and all of that thing. And, and also, which would, a scene that I actually loved was when they go to, when him and Finn go to fly off in the, uh, in the TIE fighter and it's still attached uh, via its umbilical to the, uh, to, to the, to the Star Destroyer hangar and, 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 you know, all that stuff. I actually thought that was all quite fun. And that kind of, to me, that kind of felt very JJ-ish, if, that, if that's yeah. even a term. <laughs> well, you know, like right before they uh, got into the ship, you know, uh, Poe says, you know, let's we're we're going to do this. And as soon as he said that, I my mind went to the Laverne and Shirley theme, like we're going to do it. And and I saw, you know, him and Finn in this uh, buddy comedy all of a sudden trying to escape. But in some ways, I would have liked to have seen something like that because, you know, it would have been organic to, you know, seeing their um their chemistry bond and their uh, chemistry as characters, you know. Yeah, I've I've also heard someone say as well that um, they felt that it lacked some of the, if if you like, the Joseph Campbell mythology uh, elements. Again, yeah. I'm not sure whether it. Does. Yeah, I mean, it's, it 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 doesn't follow the hero's journey in the same way, but you know. No, but it's still there. I mean, the hero's journey is still there. I mean, it's. Uh, it's no, it's, it's not so explicit, but I mean the fact is that the hero's journey is so ingrained in, especially blockbuster films that, you know, we see it all the time. I mean, when Star Wars came out, it was a template that 
wasn't being used that often. I mean, if anything, uh, filmmakers were turning away from that kind of simplistic storytelling to tell sort of a lot more grittier stories, more stories that were more personable. And so when Star Wars came along doing the the hero's journey, that's kind of one of the reasons why it blew people away. I mean, that and the special effects, because, you know, for a long time, people hadn't seen stories quite like that. I agree, absolutely. I mean, um, and and definitely, I mean, you know, even though there's a lot of use of, of, of modern technology filmmaking in this, uh, you, there is definitely the love of that thing with, you know, sets and locations and in-camera work and shooting on film and, you, you know, all of those sort of things that, that harken back to what was beautifully done with the uh, with the original um, Star Wars films. But, uh, um, but you know, I, I take some of these points. I mean, I, I feel like, and, and tell me if I'm, uh, if I'm off here, guys, but I, I, I've got a little bit of the feeling that... Um, Whereas, whereas maybe myself and and Simon, uh, with with sort of time and and, and future watches, has started to sort of um, nitpick a little more and have more problems with this than when we initially watched it. I'm feeling like James, and I'm not sure if I'm right here, that you may have gone the other way, that you may have warmed to this more with with time. Am, am, am I right? Because I know back when it first came out, you you really did have some sort of issues and, and problems with it that, that you seem a bit more forgiving of now. Is, is, is that fair to say uh, or am I totally no, out of order? No, I'm, uh, <laughs> I have grown even more cold since, uh, since my initial, initial viewing. Right. Now, even now, more cold. Now, now, this is where you might have got that from. Um, my second viewing, I liked it better than the first viewing, but... Every viewing since then has just gone downhill, you know, and I found it boring and hard to stay engaged with. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I have all kinds of random stuff written down. The notes, which uh, the title should have been "the the Force Regurgitates" because it uh, copies so many um, beats from the original trilogy. Um, I felt. Much of the uh, beginning, almost the majority of the beginning, was all exposition, which you know, you know, there's that screenwriting rule, you know, show don't tell, and I thought there was a lot of tell and very little uh, show. Um, okay, this is just all kind of some random stuff here. Uh, I, I never really felt a true invo emotional investment, like you know, my mo emotions were stirred, you know, seeing Hanso and Chewie all that stuff, but I never felt invested in it, particularly the dog fights um, or the dog fight at the end, you know, shoot up when, when they're attacking Starkiller base, um, a new hope, everything hinged on destroying that thing. Uh, in force awakens that, that uh, the attack on Starkiller base was all background to everything else, which it, it was, it was like that in Jedi as well, but, I don't. It, it, it felt like there there wasn't much of a central um, theme. There was like two thirds of a theme going on with uh, Han Solo in, on the planet. Uh, one fourth of a theme going on with the dogfight, and then this you know nothingness uh, in between. Um, yeah. So so basically, I thought the dogfighting was just kind of like generic action filler between. Uh, planet scenes 
I'd agree with that. I mean, I, I did sort of feel even now when I watch New Hope, uh, obviously I've seen it millions of times and know exactly what's going to happen. But you do you in that Death Star trench scene, you you actually do feel that the stakes are incredibly high. Um, mm-hmm. And yes, this 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 didn't have that that kind of tension. I would I would 100 percent agree with that. Most definitely. Yeah. Well, I think what would have been interesting is if the attack had failed. Yeah. That you know that they they didn't they weren't able to destroy it, so that threat was still out there. You know, maybe because from what we saw, the resistance. You know, I think it would have been quite easy to evacuated that planet and got them all off before they fired the weapon. Yeah. The thing about the when the Death Star was coming round Yavin 4 towards the moon, was the fact that they had no escape. Mm-hmm. That if they had tried to take off, they would have been destroyed by the Death Star or by, you know, the Imperial fleet. Mm-hmm. In this, the Starkiller base was far off. Yes, their weapon can hit targets from a distance, but they still could have had time to evacuate. And they didn't. They, there didn't seem to be any sign of evacuation. It was kind of like, well, you know... If they don't do it, and it could have been, I have to say, it would have been far more interesting if that weapon was kind of still out there. Yeah. You know, that they they didn't succeed. Because, I mean, because we all know, you know, well, they destroyed the first Death Star, so they built another one. What's the First Order going to do? Because they, they kind of fashioned themselves on the Empire anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, what are they going to do? They're going to build another base. <laughs> and put the same old trenches in it. I wouldn't be surprised if come episode nine we see another we see Star Killer Base Two. Yeah. And what I was disappointed with was all, all the all the little nods and references they had to the other Star Wars films. Uh, and the one that really pissed me off is they didn't have Admiral Atbar go, It's a trap. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would have just been too much. It would have been too much. <laughs> I mean, when Admiral Akbar says it's a trap in Return of the Jedi, it is a trap. I mean, how, how would he say it's a trap in The Force Awakens? I don't know. I'm just being silly. <laughs> any he sense. could uh, stab his toe and go, <laughs> and it goes off on him. I'm just being, yeah, exactly. It, it, it's he was a playing trap. a board game. <laughs> it's a mouse trap. <laughs> what, what else, James, is on your list of random things then? Uh, I I got very aggravated with all that hand-holding nonsense. Uh, I already felt Ray was a strong character. I totally believed her as a strong character. And I felt every time, stop holding my hand. I don't need to hold my hand was them force-feeding us. Look at how strong of a character she is. She doesn't need anybody holding her hand. I already felt that. You know, they did their job making me feel that. And, and I, that just felt, you know, kind of annoying and crowbarred, uh, crowbarred in. Um, this some business of her wanting to get back to Jakku was getting on my nerves because I didn't feel like there was a payoff for it. You know, like you get this vague sense that, you know, she's waiting for her family and stuff and uh, she has to keep going back or, you know, she has to keep getting back and then. All of a sudden, you know, she's on her way to see Luke instead. You know, there doesn't even seem to be that moment where, you know, Luke sees his skeleton of a family uh, burnt up on a, on the front porch. 
and goes back to Ben. You know, it just all of a sudden it's like, well, what, what happened to Jakku? You're off hunting Luke Skywalker now. So that kind of annoyed me. You know, maybe that's something they'll address later on. But as far as this film goes, it uh, it annoys me. Yeah, didn't Maz Kanata say to to her that you you know the truth that they're not coming back? Oh yeah. I felt that was the bit when she sort of realized that you know that there was nothing there for Jakku that going back would be a, a waste of time. Yeah. Even though it wasn't it wasn't exactly a very elegant scene. <laughs> yeah. It, it did almost feel like they were trying to they were trying to go opposite to what they did they'd done in in a new hope as well in so much as yes we had luke skywalker that just could not wait to get off of get off of the planet and you know find adventure and we had you know ray in this film being quite the the opposite that she was wanting to go back to jakku and 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 you know getting sidetracked and uh yeah that 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 could have possibly been a little heavy-handed actually um, here, here's some of my thoughts on Kylo Ren. I thought, uh, I thought the introduction of him was weak and I can't really put my finger on it. Like the first time you see, uh, Darth Vader, you know, he's just a badass, and, and, you know, he commands the respect of his officers around him the second he walks through. Um, I didn't get the feeling of that with, uh, Kylo Ren. I felt when he, the, the, even though it was a hero shot, his the first time we see him, it just felt like some dude walking into the scene, and we see him, you know, stop that uh, bolt, that energy bolt and stuff, and that was cool. But I don't, I, I didn't feel like he was really established as this badass villain. And then later on, when we see him pitching his fit, and we see the stormtroopers turn around and head the other way. I thought that was a sign that these stormtroopers don't respect this guy and essentially don't take him seriously. Whereas, like Darth Vader, you know, you would, uh, plenty of officers stood there and got choked because of uh, their fear for uh, Darth Vader. Um, you know, so, so I, I felt you know, like there was this kind of, uh, like he, he reminded me of, um, oh, I can't think, Gladiator. Like if Darth Vader was the emperor, um, uh, Kylo Ren was uh, Wanker Phoenix, or however you say his name. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, hey, hey they, 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 they did a they did a whole undercover bosses thing off the back of this, didn't they? Have you seen that? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for Saturday Night Live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and as far as I'm concerned, that's canon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the Christmas special, eh, James? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> And in an interview, JJ says uh, makes this excuse why he had Ren kill Han Solo. You, you know, he said, uh, "Well, Darth, you know, how do you compare to a, a villain like Darth Vader? You can't." So I had to have uh, Kylo Ren do something, you know, horrible, and that was, you know, the only thing we could come up with was to kill Han Solo. Well, Darth Vader didn't have to kill Han Solo to become a badass. He was already a badass the first time we saw him. And what, what now? I totally, like I said, I expected Han Solo to die in this movie. I was fine with him dying, and having Kylo kill him makes the most sense. But the way JJ put it makes it sound like, uh, you know, like, well, you know, how do we make him a badass? Well, let's have him kill Han Solo. Hey, great idea. Maybe that will get uh, Harrison Ford back into the movie. You know, it just kind of mm-hmm. seemed um, 
weird. And him being named Ben, I thought was totally forced. You know, like Leia never met the guy. Uh, last time Han Solo saw him, he called him an old fossil. And, uh, you know, never, didn't really have any real connection with him. So, you know, it's, it's, it's I can understand Luke naming a son uh, Ben, but having them name, name him Ben just kind of seemed uh, weird. Well, again, that's something that they took from the expanded universe because one of one of their ch- children was called Ben Solo. So. Oh, really? Was he? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, I, th- I thought yeah. it was Anakin. I thought yeah. they named him Anakin or something. No, no. Th- yeah, there was there was one called Anakin and there was one called Ben. Oh there wow! Was, there was three kids. Okay. Yeah. Didn't know that. There was a. There's two boys and a girl. Right. In the expanded universe. Yeah. <laughs> and we called the yeah. girl and one of Ben. Them was called Ben. <laughs> 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 well, she certainly wasn't called Ray. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, I mean, the thing is, though, in in Star Wars, um, when Luke Skywalker rescues Princess Leia, he does say he's there with Ben Kenobi. Mm-hmm. So she obviously knew who Ben Kenobi was. Well, and she addressed him in the uh, original message that started the whole thing off in the first place. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, but she does in the message she calls him Obi Wan Kenobi. But but when Luke Skywalker says, you know, I'm here with Ben Kenobi, she's like. Oh, you know, she knows who it is. Yeah. So obviously she must have been aware of his uh, secret identity. Mm. <laughs> when you think about it, it's not that secret, really. <laughs> he doesn't even wear glasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'm Ben Kenobi. Nothing to do with that Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> I'd like to know what the situation was with uh, Ray, like, after we see her scavenge those parts for the first time, she's cleaning them. She looks off into the sky, and, and there's this creature who, you know, pokes her and makes her go back to scrubbing. Like, who who was that guy? Why is he poking her? Because it seems like, you know, she's doing this for money. So, but but in that scene, she's being treated like a slave. So it's like, well, is she making money off of this, or is she a slave being forced to do this? I, yeah, I don't understand. Well, I think her looking off into the distance was very much a... Well, wasn't she looking at... She was looking at an older woman, wasn't she? A, a ship leaving. And then, yeah, and then she saw the... No, no, the ship leaving was in the trailer. Oh, yeah, you're right. She sees the ship leaving when she's uh, at the base of the Atat. Yeah, yeah, she's looking at that uh, older woman. Yes, because in the trailer, in in the trailer, they cut those two images together. I think, and I think people probably seen the trailer a lot more than they've seen the films but um yeah so she's she's looking at this old woman and it is kind of like you know i think she's got that it's that to give the idea that um you know that she's kind of aware that she might be stuck there until she dies you know oh yeah i get i get that but i don't understand i think the whole prodding thing was that the the guy was next in line and she was taking her time because they, they, they all seemed to, they, they were all, um, you know, trying to find scrap to sell to this guy. So the sooner they could get one of these tables and start cleaning it off. And oh, so it was like nice a community uh, yeah. clean off or something. Yeah. It was so they could get an extra portion of bread that comes from water. <laughs> you know, that was... Well, that was really impressive how they did that effect with the self-rising bread. Yeah. 
it was. If 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 they could actually, if that was a real thing, that would help a lot of people. Oh, Disney would make a killing, wouldn't they? <laughs> if it was real. Maybe it is. Maybe Disney's got the patent and they're keeping it secret. Come on, Disney, release it. Yeah, they're releasing it for their Shanghai opening. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know, guys, whether we've, um, you know, going into this, I didn't really know where we were going to go with this. It is obviously such a, a massive subject um, mm. and a massive topic. And I don't know whether we've we've done it justice uh, or not. I mean, you, you know, suffice to say, um, I I do find it very enjoyable. Um you know, definitely the best Star Wars film we, we've we've had in a in, in a long time, in about thirty years, you know. And um uh, you, you know, I, I very much enjoy it, although I do agree that it's not perfect. Um there are certainly a lot of unanswered questions which um I'm hoping are gonna be addressed to some satisfaction in, in the sequels. Um and, you know, up until, well, really up until this week with the news, I was actually very excited, like I said at the beginning, about the uh, the Rogue One film. Um, but but I don't know. Is it, Do you think there's anything we've, we've missed in particular that, 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 that needed addressing about this? No, I mean, not really. I mean, well, I think we've 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 covered the the whole film in depthly. I mean, at this moment, we're sort of coming on par to the runtime well that's what i was thinking well i think that the fact that we're talking about this film and you know it, it brings up so much uh conversation is a good thing because it just shows that people are actually invested in this film where in the prequels we weren't so much i mean mm-hmm. in the prequels we're just like oh god you know uh, you know where uh, you know you know where it was going you know, we didn't expect it when we got there that it would be so hilarious. I mean, the fact that Darth Vader goes, no, and does a whole kind of Frankenstein thing. <laughs> it just, it's like we sat through film, three films for this. You know, wow. God, weren't we duped? Well, we, we, we yeah, we, we sat through three films for, uh, for, for Padme to go, uh, 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 Luke. Uh, uh, Leia, I'm dead now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I did love. Um, I remember. Um, do you guys know Attack the Show? They did this sketch about uh, when Obi Wan Kenobi's talking to um, Luke in Return of the Jedi about his mother, and uh, he goes, "Yes, and she died of a broken heart." He goes, and yes, she died <clears throat> of a broken heart. He went, broke, and Luke goes, broken heart? Yeah, Mumsy just upped and bought it. That's retarded. <laughs> yep, pretty much. <laughs> it was. I mean, it's just, you know, especially in the, the tech, I mean, they got like a an android there, you know, a medical droid. You know, I think they, you know, medically wise, you know, they could have saved her. They could have mended that broken heart yeah oh definitely and, and, and also in in jedi leia tells luke about how she she vividly remembers yes. her mother being very beautiful but very sad and all this sort of thing and you're like really you're a bigger liar than obi-wan is <laughs> well she did say it was feelings so. yes yes i guess 
but uh yeah i don't know um oh i know what i want I, I know exactly what i want to address i think nobody has talked about this why is princess leah not a jedi mm. well she is in the expanded I mean, universe since... right <laughs> yes she is yeah and and also the fact that at the end of Return of the Jedi, she, you know, she she was force adept. You know, she was shown that she had, you know, some use of the force. And I would have thought that she would have been the first person that Luke Skywalker would have trained. Yeah, well, she, just went, off the, she just went off the rails <laughs> and, and lost the plot. And, oh, no, sorry, that's the actress. Um... <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, I... I I, that's a good question. I, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's that. Yeah. That's, that's I mean, a very valid there was, point, actually. You know, <laughs> I, I remember in the second trailer we saw a, a glimpse of a of a female hand accepting the lightsaber, mm. and I believe that's actually is Princess Leia receiving it because there's the, there's the whole Luke Skywalker line about. Uh, I'm strong in the force and so's my father and so's my sister and I, I, I would have thought they would have, she would have gone maybe a bit more down the Jedi route instead of yes I do understand that she you know got married to Han Solo had a child who uh, who's really became quite a Han <laughs> Yeah, I didn't well, have time to drain. I mean, you know, this kid drained yeah. all my time and power. Exactly. <laughs> but it seems pretty obvious that uh, the force <laughs> ravaged her body. Anytime she used it, it just ravaged her and it's left her in the mess she's in now. And she wants to use it as little as possible. It's, it's the reason why she can't move her lip. This is the woman that made my... Um, heart beat faster when i was a young man you know it's like <laughs> no true uh, yeah and uh, I, I, I do feel actually that maybe um you know we talked a little bit about deleted scenes and cut out plot points mm. and stuff and i do actually feel i don't know whether you guys do that that maybe a lot of layers scenes and a lot of carrie fisher's work was actually uh you, you know trimmed out of this film do, do, do you feel that? I, I, I just I just felt like a lot of her lines were looped and whatever it, it seemed while I was watching some of the her mm. conversations with Han, etc. Yeah, I, I know there's there was a deleted scene early on when she gets word that Poe Dameron's being captured. But um, I don't know. I don't think I can't, I can't see what how much more she could have added to the story. I think she I think they were quite correct in that at that point was probably the best time for her to turn up. No, it's interesting. It is interesting. There's a, there's a, a lot we we still don't know, but uh no. It, I mean, I think the the problem with with the resistance and with uh General Leah, now that's what her, her name is, um is is how they actually were formed and how what role they play because there is you would have thought they would just have been the New Republic. What is it about the First Order that the New Republic doesn't want to stand against them? It, it, it's it, I think that kind of thing is 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 is, is the strange thing. Mm -hmm. Why is it they're the resistance when there is actually a political body in place, the New Republic? You know. And they have this enemy who are the First Order. The First Order 
are the resistance really yeah they're now become the new rebels they're fighting against what's standing and they may be the bad guys but you know so it, it just seems to be weird that that like general leah went off with her own kind of splinter group and started this resistance when the end of the day the first order are you know they're like i, I mean i don't know i mean this is this is the missing piece isn't it i mean they say in the in the crawl they say in the crawl that the first order came out of luke skywalker's disappearance but why then did the new republic not want anything did not want to stand against them yeah i mean you, you're absolutely right this this is this is where this um this, this does sort of if you like fail compared to the the original film is even though it has many similarities uh, is is this a great film as a piece of enjoyable entertainment for two and a quarter hours? Absolutely, yes. Did this tick a lot of boxes and please fans of, of Star Wars? Absolutely, yes. You know, was it great to see the original characters back? Absolutely. We'd have liked more of Luke, obviously, but that's to come. But when you do sort of start delving deeper into this, as as fans like to do, um, you know, it does have its niggles. Um, it isn't as su- succinct as 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 the universe that um, George Lucas, for, for all his criticism, had set up very well in, in in A New Hope. And I mean, I think that's the thing that was wonderful with New Hope is, of course, it had this massive backstory that, that we were slightly let down with in, in the prequels. But, um, you know, it established the Clone Wars. We understood about that. We understood about the Jedi and and um, y- y- you know the light side and the dark side of the Force and the Guardians of Peace and Justice and the Old Republic and and why there was a rebellion and what the threat was um, moving forward. You know, with the Death Star, we understood all of these things, even though a lot of it wasn't shown you know there were certainly no flashbacks in 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 the original trilogy whatsoever and um you, you know that's what he set up so brilliant and that's what george lucas for all the criticism he may get about the prequels and and some of his dialogue and scripting and things of that nature his actual world building and the universe he created you, you know was fantastic and he had done a really good job um in that first film which you know even this has a lot of derivative plot um that comes from that it's not perfect it's not without its holes and it's not without its things that don't make sense um but on the other hand it's good because it causes debate like we're having now so you know it's i'm just trying to be i'm just trying to be sort of i guess um diplomatic and 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 politically correct about the whole thing here but uh you you know star wars is very special to me so i I do have to be very careful when i slag it off if that makes sense (laughs) well i i I know what you mean because you know uh, star wars is always going to hold a special place in my heart and uh you know it was the first film i ever saw and i grew up with it and i've i've seen it hundreds of times you know all three films and um you know i just love you know sitting down and watching them uh but i i just i I hate what what happened to how mistreated they were under george lucas is you know 
the, the guy who created these films and he really mistreated them. I mean, every time we got a new DVD or Blu-ray out, there was some still some more meddling, which got to a point where it just didn't make any sense. I mean, why did we need a bigger boulder in front of R2-D2? Why did we need Darth Vader to go, no, when, when that scene was perfect, you know, without there being any dialogue? I mean, the fact that he's, you know... Even though he's got a helmet on, you could tell that he his loyalties were being, you know, split between the emperor and his son, mm. you know, and you didn't need any dialogue. It was it was perfectly done. So um, I, I mean, I I I really enjoyed episode seven, and yes, it's 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 kind of it is very easy to nitpick, sort of the. The, the story and the characters and what happens but the end of the day uh you know i i enjoyed it i really enjoyed it and i'm looking forward to seeing the next two chapters in this and um i'm i'm hoping that you know this was the you know kicking off point to say well just to let you know we're in safe hands and now we're gonna go our own way with it yeah. and i hope they do because I, if I, if it, if it just becomes a carbon copy of Empire and a carbon copy of Return of the Jedi, and then I think people, fans will get turned off by it because we've got those films already. We don't need them again. We've got new characters. We like these new characters. We want to see what happens to them, but we want to see their adventures. We don't want to see carbon copies of, you know, we don't want this whole idea of it rhymes or the past repeating itself. You know, we got these new characters. We care for them. We like them. Let's see what they, what their adventures are like. And two really good things about this movie as well that we haven't mentioned. The first one is there's no Ewoks in it. Brilliant. <laughs> um, and 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 the second and the second one is John Williams, as always, knocks it out of the park with the score. I thought again, uh, you know, the new themes mm. that he created for. Kylo Ren and for Ray, um, you, you know, worked really well. Plus, we got all of our, you know, classic Star Wars themes in there as well. So, um, you, you know, bearing in mind the, the the guys in his in his mid eighties now, uh, he can still compose and knock out a fantastic score. So, I think that deserves mention. Yes, oh, it 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 definitely does. I was going to say something else. I can't remember. Um... But uh, James, do you have any positives about the film? Uh, I uh, well, I, I did like seeing Han and Chewie. Like I said, uh, that was fun, mm-hmm. and um, I'm I'm glad to see that a lot of young people like this, and I I, I like to see that um, it looks like Star Wars, the Star Wars uh, traditions that we grew up with are going to carry on. So I'm glad for that, and to me, that's more important than the personal enjoyment. I might get out of this movie because I don't feel like these movies are necessarily being made for us as much as they are for the next generation of, uh, you know, just like how we grew up with them. I think they're being made for those people. And I'm glad that these people, these uh, the kids of today are getting a Star Wars movie all their own. Yeah, mm. no, I, I agree, even though I find it very hard to let go of my inner five year old. But um but I, but I do I do agree with what you're saying there. Um, one of the things I did sort of object to with the release of the uh, Blu-ray, though, that annoyed me slightly was this whole are you light side or dark side 
So we have it in two different sleeves and, you, you know, you buy the sleeve that you are. I, I, I kind of oh. I'm not keen on that marketing, particularly, particularly for the kids. You know, it, it's kind of like, uh, <laughs> you know, are you going to go to the dark side or the light side, li- little Timmy? You know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> come on. Um, uh, I, I don't know. Well, I have to say, um, the, I've, I've, I've been to stores where they don't have the slipcase, where it's just a normal cover. Right. So, I mean, and also as a collector, you see that stuff all the time. I mean, how many different magazine covers were there for like Empire magazine or Total Film each time the Star Wars films came out from like 97 onwards? Yeah, you're right. There's always, always been that kind of collector's, um, you know, spin to Star Wars merchandising. And with regular comic books these days, practically every comic has at least two uh covers if not more yeah particularly the star wars ones you know that they, yeah. they seem to have done yeah. they seem to have done spin off spin-off adventures of everyone including a a death squad commander with a monocle i'm like what's all that about <laughs> <laughs> poe dameron's parents yeah exactly you got that yeah. as well haven't you <laughs> well i mean yeah i mean poe dameron has his own comic book so I think they were very wise to keep him going. <laughs> well, no, Oscar Isaacs was very wise to negotiate it. So hopefully he didn't fire his agent, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I I don't know how much Isaac Os- uh, Oscar Isaac had his hand in that. I think, I think it was more from the filmmaker's point of view that they thought that it was good to keep him in. Yeah. I can't imagine the conversation where, you know, Oscar Isaac went over and said, you know what, I think you should keep me in this. <laughs> yeah, like he has that power in the most anticipated movie of all time. It's the force. Yeah, he's like, you, you know, um, these aren't the droids you're looking for, you know, and they, they fell straight for it. He did the Jedi mind trick. In fact, he is the Jedi in this. That's answered all those questions. It, it's Poe Dameron. <laughs> but when, but I mean, you got to figure in Darth Mickey. <laughs> I mean the dark mouse you know there's no getting past him that's true you know those, those Jedi mind tricks don't work on me <laughs> yeah Darth Mickey saw a marketing opportunity there that he don't want to let go mm. yeah yeah well <laughs> we, 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 could pro- we could probably chat about this for the length of the trilogy but uh, I, I don't know guys unless, 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 unless you've got anything major to add I don't really know where where forward to go with this right now so it sounds like a good place to wrap things up yeah it is indeed (laughs) (laughs) we've we've actually gone longer than the film yeah well it's amazing i mean there's there is so it's like somebody was talking about the bond one the other day and i was like saying to them like oh you know we we covered quite a bit but it was barely scratched the surface i mean there is a james bond podcast that i listen to and they they've done over a hundred episodes and still counting yeah and those Mm. episodes are feature length each you know they're like uh two hours two hours plus each and um you know that's just on one character and there's so much to talk about and say so um you, you know star wars is 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 equally as uh as in depth but um but yeah I think we I think we I like to think we've covered a few things that maybe 
haven't been so widely talked about. Um, that's always one of our, one of mine, Simon's kind of ethos is with some of this stuff is, is to not necessarily do what everybody's heard a, a million times already. And I know we have covered some that people will already yeah. know about, but hopefully, especially with some of that expanded universe stuff, I didn't even know some of that. So awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should have got my girlfriend on here. She, she knows far more than me. She's a bigger Star Wars fan than me. Oh, you should have got her on. She's always welcome. You know that, Simon. Come on. I know that. Yes. I know that. But Maybe I, one but day. I, I've been well pleased. Whenever I can get friends on the podcast, it's amazing. And, and James and I have not seen each other well, probably in a decade now, isn't it, James? Since we I did um, so. uh, Popsy, but uh, which which is well talked about on another podcast. Um, but oh, lovely to get really? you involved. Are, are you the director of Popsy? Uh, not no. the director, no. <laughs> no. What was your involvement with Popsy? You played Mr. Was it Mr. No, not Mr. Reggie. That was the uh, main guy. What was your guy's name? Mr. I don't know, Merriweather or something. I don't know. Merriweather. That's right. Oh, yes. 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 Yeah. And I had learned, uh, phonetically learned a line of Turkish that got cut. And uh, I was pissed off about that because I worked so hard to speak Turkish. (laughs) I'd love to put that in my reel. (laughs) Hey, that's acting, James. That's what happens, mate. You know? (laughs) It's really good to, uh, it's really good to, to, chat with you though and um you know obviously you're always welcome to guest on on these anytime and uh hopefully i can get out to florida at some point and uh and catch up with you in person be awesome <laughs> cool well this is uh fun so if you ever have any other uh, topics you think uh i'd be good for you know let me know we will indeed yes certainly certainly well uh james where's a, a good place to find your work on the internet Oh, uh, well, I have a, a website I haven't taken that much care of recently, um, undergroundpop.com. Uh, the video page is down, but my photo page is up. And other, so there's some other stuff up, um, but it's still kind of a bare bones. But that's undergroundpop.com. And, and haven't you got – I've seen some videos and some films you've made, James. Are they available online for people to view? Um, not exactly. I'm I'm working on putting up uh, some of my short films online, but uh, I do have another YouTube channel uh, Mm -hmm. called Smash Stuff, where I do just that. I smash stuff. That's Um, hilarious. I've seen it. Yes, it's (laughs) awesome. It should have been a series, man. (laughs) Oh, there's three episodes, and uh, I'm trying to do a fourth one. Cool. But but, yeah, that's another place you can... uh, see me vent my frustration so to speak (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so keith where can we find your work yeah oh i have a youtube channel if you just go to british isles spelled e-y-l-e-s uh you can see short films that i've made there also if you check out my name on imdb you can see other projects i've been involved in and as always you can find my work on independentrunnings.com So you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, YouTube, and uh, all good podcast providers. Uh, You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Movie Heaven, Movie Hell. And if you're on iTunes or Stitcher, please give us a review and a rating. So that just leaves me to uh, thank our guest, James. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, 
and sharing your point of view. You're welcome and thanks for having me. You're very welcome. And uh, thank you to you, the listener, for listening. And uh, please join us for the next episode of Movie Heaven, Movie Hell.